BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and I'm calling it this one is a certified banger. It's with your boy, Jason Anderson, El Hombre, the number 21 on the Monster Energy Cowie. He has been lighting it up this season. Uh, it has been by far and away one of the most exciting seasons to be a Supercross fan, and El Hombre is a big part of that. But with that being said, if he was just the fastest dude at QMP on a Thursday, it would still warrant an appearance on this podcast. Jason Anderson is what you call good people. Uh, every time I'm around this dude, it's always a blast. He's just the most cruisy, cool guy. And uh, yeah, he's always just a, a pleasure to hang around. And uh, yeah, I'm stoked to do this. We uh, got together like the day before... Um, we made this one happen and uh and i just said yep keen to come so i was like you are one of the dudes that has an open invite and uh yeah i I like it when that's how it goes down so i really hope you guys enjoy this podcast honestly at times i forgot we were doing a podcast it was just uh yeah it was just really cool to catch up and have a chat so i hope you enjoy listening to this podcast uh as much as i enjoyed recording it i hope uh i hope ando had a good time as well uh so yeah peace before though actually before we get into the podcast just got to give a word to our sponsors but before we get into the podcast just a shout out to our sponsors first one the crew at rat racing if you want to see the rebirth of an australian icon then go to go the the crew have done an absolutely amazing job of reviving this iconic australian motocross brand i've been running the gear for a while now the quality is top notch the fit is top notch and guaranteed that if you're one of those guys that likes to go through the pits and people like dude i fucking love your jersey man then you need to buy this gear again you can go to go there at racing to check out all the styles and order online we're also brought to you by the guys at fist handwear uh, if you've listened to this show before, you'll know that pretty much every episode is brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. Uh, I actually rode in Bali and I wore another glove brand, which I will not name, and I got blisters in places I've never got blisters. And look, I have pussy hands for sure. Uh, so that's why I know, uh, I guess I really have a thing for like knowing what gloves work good for blisters. I still get blisters in fist handwear, I will admit that, uh, but I get blisters in every single pair of gloves that I wear, but I get way less blisters and they heal a lot better 
um, when I wear fists. I got blisters in places that I have never gotten blisters before and they were massive uh, when I wore said other brands. So if you want to uh, experience less blisters, maybe not no blisters, but less blisters, you should head to fisthandwear.com. While you're there, you should use the code GYPSYGANG to get 15% off. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz. You can head to crushoz.com.au. The best bike wash in the game. You've just kept your body clean with Manscaped. Now it's time to keep your bike clean with the guys at Crush Oz. Uh, if you're new to that brand and you haven't already jumped on board, the performance bucket, the bike care kit, that's probably your one-stop shop just to get you in, get you in the program uh, and see what you've been missing out on all these years. Once again, crushoz.com. We're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au, as always, for the largest range of dirt bike parts and accessories. And if you order for 2 p.m., you will get same-day shipping. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at antigravitybatteries.com. Uh, these guys make the best lithium batteries for your dirt bike, for cars, jet skis, the whole deal. Uh, these guys do everything. They're trusted by race teams all over the world, most notably Star Yamaha, Pro Circuit, Factory Kawasaki. Uh, these guys hook it up. We've got one in my 350. Uh, I'll be putting one in my Think bike. Uh, I'll be putting them in my new truck when I get it. Uh, and also the USB chargers are pretty massive. Got one of them in, in my bag at all times. And the legends at Rival Ink Design Co. You can head to rivalinkdesignco.com uh to peep what they got going on they are the leaders in the graphic industry worldwide so thank you very much enjoy this podcast better yeah that's sweet yep yep that's cool rains we recording everything jacob we're recording yep Sick boys. Alright, bang, eight on the dot. Jason Anderson, welcome to Gypsy Tales, the great man himself. How are you, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh doing the normal, riding and training Pfft, had a long one right now, so we need a weekend off here pretty soon. Yeah, so uh you are probably one of the most requested guests on Gypsy Tales um people mm-hmm. definitely want to want to hear from el hombre but you don't really do that many of these which like i kind of enjoy the fact that you don't do too many of these yeah you know it's it's really tough whenever it comes to like podcasts and stuff like that especially for me like dude i, I try and keep the drama very low you know like as far as like my personal life and everything and podcasts sometimes are very opinion based you know so it's it's hard for me because i would rather just like have uh no voice and be criticized for nothing you know so that's kind of how it is and it's sort of it's one of those things where you kind of just can't please everyone anyway so it's like no matter what you do no matter what Mm -hmm. you say like you're gonna get criticized anyway so it's like i fully appreciate now especially nowadays like that i've started Mm -hmm. doing it that it's just like man that people can be just so fucking off base with their with their commentary and their opinions and then everyone's Mm -hmm. got an opinion everyone's got a like billy bold actually said it kind of cool where he's like man you you produce this content and you work on having this platform that has like hundreds of thousands and millions of 
uh, views and then you just like give that million view or like 300,000 view video you just give people mm-hmm. a chance to be the top comment on this thing that's being seen by all these people and it's just like this guy doesn't deserve that yeah it's uh dude it's tough because no matter what you say you're gonna have negative feedback in some way shape or form and uh you know people always are like don't read the comments and stuff like that but you read that stuff you know so like for me it's kind of tough to really just um i hate to say this but like the fans sometimes they make it not fun you know and Mm. and uh just just for the fact that you feel like you're gonna get negative feedback from at least for me it's gonna be at least a thousand people you know and it it really is what it is so um it's really tough for me to be motivated to give people like maybe an insight to my life or or um give my opinion on what happened on the race weekend or any of this because you're just like i can't win you know so it's it's really it's really tough it's tough for us because we're already have enough pressure on ourselves and then to have pressure from you know like outside um influences such as like fans and stuff like that but at the end of the day they're most of them are pretty cool it's just those ones that really you know they kind of you know put the knife in you a little bit yeah dude so do you remember the at super ozx open like a few years ago we're on the couch Mm -hmm. and you were trying to talk dino into going like ham into youtube and this was pre team fry yeah. and you, you like mm-hmm. i could tell you had this crazy vision for what a youtube channel could be like and what content could be like and you're fully directing mm-hmm. dean and like building out his youtube channel and then I, I think i said something like dude why don't you do that shit and you're like ah, i don't have the personality like i don't think i'll be able to pull it off fast forward to 2022 team fried is probably the most culturally relevant thing in the sport and not mm-hmm. only that you've actually inspired a ton of other people to do what you're doing. And I mean, dude, you've inspired people all over the world. Like even with Rones and Alex, like they do, uh, the, the guys that work for us, they do bakery films and it's like, yeah. you know, it's really team fried inspired in a way, you know? And it's like going from the guy that's on the couch a few years ago, trip being like, nah, I don't have the personality to pull it off to now it's, kind of a big difference and i I don't know like was the seed in your mind then or did it just happen yeah you know whenever we we started like team fried or whatever it was kind of just like it was actually vlog style at first you know and and that's kind of what we did but we were just more just having fun making videos and stuff like that and it's turned into something bigger and if i'm being honest i feel like i have a you know, somewhat of a brain for, you know, that side. And, and cause I feel like being creative and stuff like that is something that, you know, me and my friends, we all have between me, Tom and Matt and, uh, Nat, we got my friend Hunter, he's involved in our thing right now. So it, it's cool. And I know that, uh, you know, Matt, Tom, Hunter, like they kind of got that cool little creative side to them. And, uh, for me, I wish I had more time to take away from, um, my racing to be able to put more time into team fried but right now I'm kind of letting those boys take the reins and I try and you know give my opinion here and there but we I feel like we've created something but I still feel like we're only scratching the surface a little bit you know and I feel like we could do even more and um, right now we're trying to do obviously we do like our apparel and stuff like that but 
for me, like the apparel side has been like a whole nother adventure for us, you know, just trying to, cause that's the only way that we monetize. You know, we don't make money mm-hmm. off YouTube because we're obviously using copyrighted music and stuff like that. But for us, we think music is part of the culture, you know, like we think that mm-hmm. like, um, putting cool songs and dirt bikes and stuff like that. Um, we try and go for our vibe. We try and go for stuff that's nostalgic, like, you know, like obviously terra firma era, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to get like inspiration from everywhere. But um, I think it's it's really cool. And and it, it's a job, you know, um, mm-hmm. that luckily I'm able to have Tom and Matt and them. They kind of take the reins on it. And I kind of just like put the pieces of the puzzle together. But um, dude, the whole YouTube thing is a full time job. It's crazy. And uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, it's cool nowadays like i'm not a big fan of social media all the time because obviously there's a lot of bs on there and stuff that is uh i don't think the best for you but at the same time it's created so much opportunity for people to um you know put their brains out there and and let give people a little bit of insight to their create creativity you know and uh that's what we're trying to do with team fried but um it's still a process yeah dude well it's funny you talk about the the music thing man like there's uh there's been some edits last year that tom did through the outdoors man honestly i think tommy single-handedly like rebirthed the outdoors like i just didn't Mm -hmm. give a fuck really about those races that that much and tommy tenders just fully brought me back in and Mm -hmm. it's through his the way that he films it's the the vibe that he has with the riders and then it's that music selection and the fact that like mm-hmm. that motherfucker's busting his ass to get those videos out while it's still super relevant and man i think that when davy hired him to do the social stuff um for the outdoors like that fully brought the outdoors back for me yeah to be to be honest for like outdoors and stuff like that i think outdoor is like i love supercross and i'm really good at supercross but it's so much different and the outdoors is so raw you know and yeah. i think that the vibe that obviously tom brings tom's kind of funny because he's like a hard guy if he's really interested in something he puts out the coolest stuff and he's on it and tom <laughs> yeah. loves outdoors he loves outdoors so um for him it's it's hard because you can't really tell him like you need to put out a video here here and here it's like you kind of just kind of got to let him do his thing because tom's like creative juices aren't really flowing unless he's like flowing you know so he he's kind of like as weird as it sounds tom's kind of like a little athlete you know he's got to be in the right mental state to be putting this (laughs) stuff out yeah and he's like he's like man we just got to hope that his uh his uh discover weekly spotify playlist is popping off for our videos dude speaking of athlete he's a full golf golf athlete now too dude he loves it he loves it i'm like some days he comes dressed with like you know some cool clothes like a cool hoodie and all that and the next day he's dressed in like a, a soccer dad about to hit the links so it's like he's a uh, he's kind of got two personalities right now he's like golf guy and then film guy so it's kind of funny um i'm all about it dude his podcast too while we're on the tommy t the mm-hmm. discussion fuck that shit slapped that was like one yeah. of the best episodes of last year right eh? and he fully like the, this is the thing i love about him plays himself down filled with self-doubt this podcast won't yeah. be cool i won't be able to talk for that long fucking banger 
Dude, Tom is that way though. He runs off confidence. If his confidence is high, it's oh, good. it's good. But he uh, he he kind of doubts himself. But I'm like, dude, you're you're awesome at what you do. I don't even think he knows how good he is. Because sometimes I see him and he'll be like, dude, he'll make those edits. Like say like um we did the Lost Files movie, and yep. it was like during uh, COVID. And I was like, Tom, since we're not doing anything, you should make like a movie or something. He's like, ah, no, nah, I don't know about that. And then I'm telling you, he spent three days in his room and busted that thing out in like three days. And I, and he, it was really sick, you know, but he can just yeah. do stuff if he really wants to. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, he does some sweet shit. I think that that's like a product though. I think any good artist, any good athlete, any good, anyone that's good at anything almost thinks everything they do sucks and there's a balance that you've got to have with that but i mean i bet that even you as a writer think like fuck dude i'm like absolutely dog shit at writing and it's you're one of the best dudes Mm -hmm. in the world so i just i feel like that's a necessary evil but then that just becomes like the artist struggle or the athlete struggle is to Mm -hmm. push your way through that resistance you feel about the fact that you suck at what you're trying to do yeah yeah i will say like before i would say outdoor started last year tom um i remember he was like message us or our group message or whatever and he'd be like dude i think i peaked in 2017 my videos were way better back then <laughs> and then like he it came to like washugal this last year and he just texted us he's like i'm back and i was like <laughs> it just cracked me up he cracks me up because he's like he's like i'm back i'm back on top and and then um yeah he's funny that way but it is kind of it is kind of how it goes like sometimes you really do doubt yourself just even even for me as a racer or just in life in general um you do but uh, that's the uh, cool thing you just got to ride the wave yeah no i totally agree you said before about the the culture and music's a part of the culture it was funny so when we were doing the danny rick podcast because we're, we're pretty mm-hmm. much the same age we're like 33 yeah. and uh he was like he mentioned the first team fried videos that he saw or like even just your social shit that he saw and it had like the trap music on it and dude like yeah. og tom was just like the trap god <laughs> like yeah he would have straight thought that him and gucci were hanging every single night in the studio and uh yeah. and then da- daddy rick was like dude i've just don't know man i don't know about the trap shit in in moto yeah. like this isn't moto it's mm-hmm. supposed to be punk it's supposed to be rock and then he said like i've just come around now and like now yeah i see that as a part of the as a part of the culture and i'm i'm there with it too you know and uh mm-hmm. it, it it must be cool on your end to to influence culture in that way and to sort of like shift it's not like you could never run like a uh emo song or a, or a pop punk song or like a yeah. you know anything old school but it's like that it's a new wave kind of gets accepted yeah and uh yeah if i'm being honest tom loves rap music and he he but the cool thing is is i think like hanging around us and i love rap music too but um i think we've broadened each other's spectrum as far as music goes and we've kind of put it into our videos because dude there'd be some some weekends where we'd be using gunna and then next thing you know we'd be using kid rock and then you'd be using like dude anything you know like blondie i said we've used some of those songs you know so it's just uh it goes <laughs> on all Bowie. ends 
Yeah, dude. Uh, actually, one of my I thought the cool one of the coolest Bowie edits was uh, Molf's when he did that uh, street one, that Fox one. I thought the uh, this song really made his part. I thought that one was cool. Yeah, dude. What was the the Jet Lawrence Unadilla? What was the song that was going in there? Was it like fuck? Was it maybe it was like Alice in Chains or something like that? Do you remember that? Edit? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it Alice in Chains? It, um, you know, I don't know if it was. Was that? What? Yeah, it oh, might have been Alice in Chains, I but I know it's. It's funny because I could definitely spot out the music that is gonna be on the next one because Tom really be like going through like a grunge phase, and then he it, we, yeah. we try and influence him, and sometimes we'll send him songs, but he goes his own way with it a lot. But even like for me, like sometimes like he'll send me clips, and I'll edit the ones for like my Instagram and stuff like that. To oh, like yeah. what I like so um, yeah it's kind of funny because we all kind of like bounce off of each other but Tom we always have like a Tom really likes to present his videos and he sits us all down he's like all right watch this and uh, <laughs> that's he, he yeah he gets all fired up though sometimes because like if we go on our phones or something when when he's playing his video and we're not paying attention <laughs> he gets kind of fired up he needs that attention dude that that's fucking cool though and, and the fact that uh that you surround yourself with these homies that mm-hmm. it's just like I, I don't know I, I you probably know where I'm going with this I don't really know how to explain it I guess but it's just like you've you identified pretty early on that their industry is fucking weird when it comes to like mm-hmm. the people that hang around writers and shit like that like you've always fully just run your own program you've had like this tiny circle and it's guys that like I think that the thing I love about about Tommy particularly and Matt, they just are not clout chasers at all. Mm. And it's like you've kind of – Tommy's the opposite of that. And it's like, yeah, he'll be (laughs) the dude that's like, get off your fucking phone and watch my edit, you know? That that to me, like I think that's like dope as fuck. And there's not a lot of people that are like on the inner circle of a top-tier writer that are – yeah. have that kind of relationship you know so it's like i just i think it's a big part of your success i think it's a big part of like your longevity mm-hmm. but you know the fact that you've surrounded yourself with like just real fucking people yeah it's it's really really tough you know uh especially when you know you are, i've been at the top level you get beat down you try and work your way back up it's it's yeah. tough and and i'm ve- and i'm very lucky that i've had you know um good friends by my side because the cool thing is is like when it's uh you know tom and matt no matter how my weekend goes i know that uh when i go hang out with them it completely takes me away from all the inside inside bs you know um but i've really recognized over the past couple of years that like it's cool because we are both like pumping each other up you know and i uh to be honest tom i feel like tom's my number one fan and that's that's cool and i uh i'm thankful because like i feel like for for him he's always like filming and stuff like that so uh i'm not very good at like allowing people to do interviews with me and stuff like that but um tom's always the one who uh kind of hands me the mic and let me say what I want to say, you know, as far as like my videos and express myself the way I want to. And that's a cool relationship that I have with him. And I don't think many, um, moto people have that relationships with outside people because I see this is, this is a crazy thing that I think sometimes is like, 
you see these guys and they get married and stuff like that. And then you look at like their best man, their groomsman or whatever. And it's like agent gear guy, you know? So it's like, it's, um, luckily mine is totally different than that spectrum. Nothing against my gear guy or my agent, but, um, it, it, it is, it is really cool that I've been able to develop a, a cool core group of friends that, uh, I fully trust too. I could be doing some of some shit that could get me in real big trouble and I trust them that they're not going to, you know? So, uh, yeah, between, um, you know, those two and, uh, it's, it's cool. It's a, it's a cool setup. And, and I don't think many people get to go through their career with that type of, um, lifestyle, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's something that I know just from like, I mean, I don't know the first time we met, but like from knowing you for a long time, like I could Mm -hmm. always tell that like, that's how you had your shit set up. And it was, uh, I guess people don't realize that maybe if they're not a rider that goes through the ups Mm -hmm. and downs, like there's definitely a thing that happens with riders where like your phone will hit when you win and then it'll just be ghost town when you don't win. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's so visible. And I don't know if people that, cause there's a lot of people that have your number or there's a lot of people that you've replied to on Instagram that like, you'll see a DM and it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if those people realize how obvious it is for guys like you when you do see a person come or go or like throw out a comment. I know, uh, I know the other day, uh, I'll just wait. I'll just say a lights rider had some fucking troubles and then it was just like people were piling on publicly and then, privately like oh you know i've just got to say that as part of my job and this and it's just like fuck all that but that's how kind of fickle the industry kind of is and you just saw it like a a long time ago yeah it's it's still tough because i gotta ride that fine line you know and it's uh it's you can't be completely honest you really realistically yeah. can't even though i feel like these guys have vlogs now and they're like giving you an insight to their life and they're like completely uh, it seems like they're being transparent and i think they are more so than what they used to be but i yeah. don't think i don't think that you could be fully yourself um just because Never like <laughs> dude if you ever said that you like are having a hard time like mentally or anything like that it has to be like epstein bar or you have to have an injury you know because <laughs> yeah, if you said yeah. you're having a problem mentally or something like that people would be like damaged goods he's not mentally stable he's not going to be behind the championship <laughs> yeah, yeah. situation but bro you're Fragile a human at the end yeah you're a human at the end of the day and uh that's something that our industry doesn't allow but you gotta i understand this is that at the end of the day these companies invest into you and you're an investment, you know? And dude, think about this. Like if the stock market goes crazy, people are be, be buying um like gold and silver to make sure they're good, mm-hmm. you know, because they're like, Ooh, red flag, you know? And, and I understand that like dirt bike companies, they're like, Oh, mentally he's having a hard time. Ooh, red flag, you know, invest your money elsewhere. Yeah. So it, <laughs> yeah. it, it is the tough truth, but it's just how the world works, you know? Um, which sucks. It really, it really yeah. sucks. But, um, yeah, it, it sucks that we can't be fully honest, but at the same time, um, we have goals that we want to accomplish and that's why we kind of keep it the way it is. And I don't think it'll ever change. Yeah. It'll change somewhat, no. but it won't fully change. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I mean, it, it is just the nature of it. Like, dude, imagine imagine the podcast we could have if we were fully, fully, fully honest. <laughs> like, there's stuff that, like, we can't, we literally cannot talk about, you know? And yeah. it just mm-hmm. is what it is. It's stuff we'd fucking love to talk about, but it's just, yeah, mm-hmm. the world, the world that, that we live in. Maybe, like, retirement, fuck you money, you know, actually have a full podcast, bit, mm-hmm. you know, talk about all that shit. But, but I guess that's why with all that being said it is so important to have the kind of friends around you that you do have and one thing that i've noticed in my own life or like a way that i try and explain the friendships that i have is Mm -hmm. who are the people around you that don't have a ceiling for your success because there's a lot of people that it's like they want you to do good but not better than them and it's like, mm-hmm. do you have any of those people in your life where there's any little hint of red flag of them kind of playing down your success or kind of having these hints of jealousy or kind of stifling your ideas? Because like, you know, internally, you're like, dude, this would be fucking legit. Like I could fully pull this off. And then someone gives you yeah. like, yeah, but you know, so if you've got those people around you, then like that's that to me is like the ultimate friend red red flag. Then I know, you know, with like Sammy, that motherfucker wants me to get, get it as much as possible Mm -hmm. and, and his happiness and his self-worth and his value has zero, there's like zero of himself riding on my success. And like my brother's the same. And there's people that I have in my crew that it's like, I could be as fucking big as, as whatever, or I could be as small as whatever. They're going to treat me the exact same way. Yeah, it, dude, to be able to find friends that are selfless like that is really, really tough. Uh, you know, just true, like kind of ride or dies and they're just like, they just be pumping you up whether and, and never, never knocking you. And I feel like our industry has a lot of people that act selfless, but they mm. have a motive, you know? And um, that's what you gotta, you gotta, you gotta search through, you know? And dude you come into that stuff at 16 at 16 yeah. you're dealing with with these people that are like dude you're hitting you hit puberty barely by the time you go pro you know you're you're discovering what you know what life is all your friends they're partying and going to college and you're expected to be an adult and be training you know there's so much that goes into b- being successful just as far as life goes and 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 you have to deal with those friends, you know, that you don't think they really have the best intentions, you know? And then you have people that you think have the best intentions, but really they have a motive. Um, but, um, yeah, luckily I've, I've been able to work through that. You know, I've definitely came in contact with people that are like a little like, "Mm, yeah, a little sus right there, but you know, (laughs) luckily I've been able to, uh, you know, shuffle through. So does, what what year did you go pro? Was it like 14, uh, I went pro in 13? 2011. 11. So I was there for your first Supercross season where you yes. got benched by Bobby. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm just putting the pieces together and I'm like, you probably saw a lot of this shit in that time. So like your first mm-hmm. season, fucking amateur standout, the G get the factory ride sick team and then you struggle and then you get benched so like Mm -hmm. i'm just envisioning that process there 
being like a real character building moment and that is probably where you started to be like oh motherfuckers like you when you're on the way up but on the way mm. down they're just not around in the same way like was that was that like a gnarly period for actually seeing that shit firsthand dude it was it was really gnarly for me because i came in and you know you win i won the horizon award at loretta's which is like you know top yeah. guy and it would you know the guy before me was dean and at that time dean was like dude winning on pc he was the man you know so i came yeah. in and i was like yeah i mean i got the same credentials so i might as well do just as good and it wasn't as easy as i thought and Luckily for me, I had Bobby and that dude is stuck by my side. He like, dude, to be honest, like I did so bad and he signed me for another year. And that next year I was like, I was like in my head, I'm like, I could still get podiums. I feel like I could still win. Um, and I could see in people's eyes. They're like, come on. Like we saw you last yeah. year. There's no way. Like they're like, <laughs> yeah. stop fucking with us. <laughs> and, and and Bobby was like, he was completely believed me, you know, and gave me full support. Um, and was with me being relentless to be able to have success. So with with that, that was that was that was my um my one guy, you know, that really yeah. really really helped me out. But as far as all the other people, dude, I, it was literally just me, you know, my parents were like, yeah, dude, we think you're good, you know, and, and my parents yeah. always are like my cheerleaders. They kind of got to be, you know, but, uh, with, with Bobby, he helped me out and, and even Dave Gallon, um, those two were, uh, were by my side and, and man, we pulled it off, you know, and, and it's, yeah. it's, it's really cool, but I always think about this. I'm always like in 2012, like I had a terrible season and to be, you know, where I'm at in my career right now, people would have been like, hell no. You know, you see like Reed, Villapoto, Dungey winning Supercrosses and you're like, this guy that barely was making the mains in 2011 is going to be winning Supercrosses. I'd be like, nice try. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, good I in Vegas though. <laughs> dude for real i was like yeah. i was a massive 312 fan as yeah. when you're in amateurs and then i remember sitting mm -hmm. in those stands and just being like fucking devastated boy i didn't yeah. know you at that point yeah and i was just like fuck i really thought he was gonna be the guy mm -hmm. and uh i i uh so i actually uh my chick when i was in america i was dating mm -hmm. this girl that she was best friends with holly growing up they like yeah. went to school together. So I like mm. knew, I knew that Hewitt's like fully away from Supercross. So, and yeah. I guess like Bobby knew that, Bobby knew that I was in Supercross, but I kind of just got to see him like family mode away from yeah. racing. Like yeah, just the fucking best guy. Like to, to this day of all the people that I met in America, he's one of the more stand up dudes that I would consider like i guess someone that i even looked as like a bit of a mentor in a way mm -hmm. and i always look forward to seeing him like at the races but more so just away from the races like how he was as like a family man and like how he was as mm -hmm. a dad and and uh so to sort of see that whole side of him and then to see the situation play out with you and then him just saying like no you just need to go figure your shit out mm -hmm. i kind of could see like that fatherly aspect of it. So I guess if mm -hmm. I just saw it from the 
Supercross fan perspective, it probably would have mm-hmm. looked worse than what it did. And maybe it did look like that to the outside people. But when you know, like, family man Bobby, that was like a dad taking care of his son almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? That dude really, really protected me in more ways than I even, like, understood. And, uh, like, I think about this all the time is like, dude, there's some times where I was really self-destructive, you know, like just as a, Mm -hmm. as a racer, like I would come in and I'd be fired up about stuff that was going on, you know, within the team. And, um, and this is early on in my Husky relationship and I would be like, I get fired up and I'd be, if I'm being honest, I'd be like, tell Bobby, I'd be yelling at him and I'd be like, tell Husky to go fuck themselves. And then I'd call him like <laughs> six hours later. I'd be like, you didn't tell them I said that, right? And he'd be like, nah, nah, you're good. <laughs> so like, I was like, I was like those times I'm like, dude, if he would have said that stuff, it would have been so like me being like young and irrational. It would have screwed me. You know, like it would have yeah. just messed up that whole relationship. And he was really the balance, you know. Um, and there was times where I definitely took him for granted and uh, stuff like that. But, yeah, he was he was kind of like uh, he's definitely the father aspect of of my whole career, you know. And luckily now, like I'm old enough to be able to be a little bit more diplomatic whenever I'm upset about stuff. <laughs> but uh, at one point, I did not have that in me. <laughs> Uh, I love the self-awareness though like just as you get older you can't help but figure your shit out in a way you know I guess you just have like more time with yourself (laughs) yeah growing up sucks man you got to develop a filter sometimes and you don't want to (laughs) but you have to you know that's just the way life works yeah no definitely what what was the challenges that you faced in 2012 like why well i get like why did you suck like what was what was the reason yeah so when i was an amateur i i didn't i rode a lot you know and i trained kind of you know like throwing some weights around but i didn't really i was having success at and doing what i thought i needed to do to have success minimal you know and in 2011 i was like i went pro supercross and i was like yeah, I mean, as long as I ride enough and I do somewhat, you know, and it just wasn't enough, you know, and I didn't understand the whole training aspect. I didn't understand that you have to build a base. I didn't understand that you have to like, it's a whole like process to developing obviously your body and, and being able to be ready for the season, you know, week in and week out. And for me, I've come to realize that I can be the best, but I I realized that maybe my progression isn't as fast as other people, you know, so I really had to figure out how to um, maximize every opportunity I could to progress, you know, as far as riding goes. And I knew that if I did that year in and year out, I could be at the level of the top guys. And I didn't realize that that year, you know, I didn't realize that um, I needed to work hard and stuff like that. I thought I was going to be able to wing it and, and do like I was in you know, amateur days, but, um, that wasn't the case and but luckily i was able to figure out and realize that and change it you know and um i knew that they saw that in me to be able to you know have that realization because at first they kept telling me they're like they're like it's in your head man you can ride good and stuff like that and i'm like i'm just unfit like that's just the reality of it they're like he's a psychologist yeah, they're like, do you need to see a sports psychologist? And I'm like, 
I'm pretty sure my brain's okay. I just don't think <laughs> I rode my bicycle enough, you know? <laughs> and that was about it. <laughs> Dude, that must be the worst feeling too, because that's like, that's not a quick fix. It is not. It is not. And like, I was unfit showing up to round one of outdoors that year. And I just, I just knew that like I had to start from ground one and I needed to prove myself enough in outdoors to be able to get a ride. I didn't care if it was for free. I think Bobby paid me 40 grand the next year, you know, and to pay a trainer to do all that stuff is really, really tough All 40 grand, you know, um, <laughs> And, and that second year in 2012, um, I didn't have much money. I had this little Ford transit. Like I made a lot of money through amateurs. I didn't really understand like money management necessarily, you know? So like we spent a lot of money on racing. Um, but I also, you know, was maybe not as, you know, frugal with my money to a certain extent I was, but I wasn't. Um, so I was living off 40 grand and I wanted to pay a trainer. I wanted to, uh, you know, ride and, and still be able to make, make it, but 40 grand in California don't go that far. And, uh, Austin Politelli and his family, they let me, um, put up a curtain in their, uh, their kitchen and the curtain, it was like a curtain. And, uh, I had my bed and shit all set up in their kitchen just so I could save some money to be able to pay trainer and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of a, you know what, like as shitty as it was going through that, I kind of missed the simpleness of it, you know, because it gets, um, there's two ends of the spectrum. There's, you get to the point where I'm at right now and there's a lot more like BS and stuff like that. And at that point I was worried about making my van payment, making rent, paying my trainer and eating. And that was it, you know, It, it was, uh, Dude, that that kitchen little room that I had set up wasn't such a what's wasn't such a bad thing, and I kind of it was a cool point in in my life, even though it wasn't like the success that you dreamed of, you know. But um, it was cool. I, I definitely, man, I, I completely agree. Like I, I told some stories, fuck, somewhere I did a podcast with someone the other day. Maybe I was talking about it on there, mm-hmm. but just the struggle, bro that we had mm-hmm. oh i was at jack's actually and uh we're at miller's place and he has this young dude billy van that that hangs with him and rides with him and stuff mm-hmm. and we were talking about america and uh and like kind of how tough we had it and jack saying like that how tough he had it in the start and i was like dude i i, I spent like months literally months in california with no electricity at my house like I just didn't yeah. when the lights when the lights went off like uh, when the sun went down like the lights went off like I just did not yeah. have money for to pay the electricity bill and I didn't eat like I didn't go eat anywhere I literally just ate top ramen and then yeah. I had multiple flights where I was straight hustling to get my bags on the plane because if they asked yeah. me like with excess money like with the excess baggage I just didn't have the money to pay for the excess baggage so it's like hey i just filmed at uh at you know geneva supercross and if they ask fucking excess baggage i'm sleeping in switzerland like it just is what it is yeah and as fucked up as it is i mean right now like we're doing pretty good and there's like Mm -hmm. there's employees there's a studio in the u.s there's a studio in europe i got fucking i got a part it's like there is so much shit to manage that it feels like doing the podcast itself is like the least thing that I put my attention to 
because there's mm-hmm. just so much other bullshit going on. It's like, fuck, it is kind of simple when like all you're hustling to do is just get your electricity bill paid. Dude, that's how it is. Even like, okay, just even like Team Fried right now. I thought it was just going to be making videos and, and drawing and putting it on t-shirts. But dude, I find myself on a Wednesday going to Fashion District in LA trying to find cheaper t-shirts and stuff like that to make the <laughs> business, you know, kind of boom a little bit. And I'm like, damn, I just want to do the fun shit, you know, but it's yeah. not always that easy. So, but once uh, it, it helps you grow and makes you learn about other industries and stuff like that, because I'm sure you had no idea that this was going to be as big as it was. You know, no. I remember being at Oz X and what was that, 2017? And this, that was kind of like your start. Like that was it really yeah. was. But now you like it's it's popping. But um, the the process is pretty cool. But then once you get here, you're like, damn, that, this is a lot of shit to handle. You look around, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. ooh. I'm kind of in over my head, but I guess I got to keep going now because it seems successful. <laughs> kind yeah, of like, dude, dude sometimes I feel that way about my career. I'm like, sometimes <laughs> I was like, I was like, I wanted to get to this point and make this money and be this good. And then it just kind of starts becoming bigger and you're like, damn, I guess I'm here. I might as well keep going, you know? <laughs> yeah. Dude, no, yeah. no, 100%. Sam always says, it's like my favorite quote is, bite off more than you can chew and chew like fuck yeah exactly i like that that. (laughs) that's pretty much what it is but i think like i think that it's just to have that perspective it's like if anyone that's listening right now like isn't where they want to be it's like Mm -hmm. just keep going through it and at some point you'll look back at those struggles like you said with the curtain of that kitchen apartment yeah and you'll miss those struggles like dude i remember we went to dinner once when you just moved to claremont and we were joking about uh you'd been there for like six months you didn't have a bed frame and your tv was on the tv <laughs> box and it'd been yeah. like that for months you'd already yeah. won the supercross championship you're a millionaire and like that's how you were living and it's just like i don't know sometimes it just seems like simple is better dude it's all i needed at the time and for me as uh furniture wasn't important i had other stuff going yeah. on but um it's kind of nice you know to be honest like i remember that house because i that was my first house i bought in claremont and you know that i had like paper shades i was like damn those shades are really expensive i got them priced out and i was like <laughs> let's wait a little bit <laughs> and uh but it's funny things like that it's like um like we'll spend thousands of dollars like dude i was paying alden so much money to train me but like i'm spending that money because that was important to me but shades nah like it's too expensive (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's kind of funny where you spend money like i even catch myself i have like this uh i would be like trying to find the cheapest gas and stuff like that but i don't know it's it's funny how your brain works sometimes yeah, I actually wanted to talk to you about some money stuff later because we got we had a conversation at that dinner in particular, like it kind of stemmed off that about money, and you had like mm-hmm. this whole thing like planned out. We'll talk about that shit later on. But um, what, how were you mentally in that 2011 season when you were struggling that bad? Like, did it? Did you fully doubt the fact that you could actually do it? Was there ever any of that? <sighs> It, I fully doubted if I actually wanted to take on the task of all that was needed to do it, mm. you know, and that's a that's a tough that's a tough thing because I knew like, dude, you need to train, you really need to live it, you have to live it, and um, sixteen years old, you know, 
or seven i was 17 by then but um watching your friends kind of live like a little carefree lifestyle you know they just they're getting jobs and they're kind of partying and stuff like that it seemed so much simpler and and kind of fun at the time and i was like i told myself in 2011 i'm like i'm gonna try my butt off this summer if i get a ride then i'll keep going you know yeah um but yeah i was straight up looking at like figuring out what was the next avenue for sure because i didn't really know if i wanted to be a privateer because I, I was mm. like that, especially being young and a privateer, that's a whole, I didn't have a platform. Like I had fans from like what I was like an amateur, but it's not like people were going to give me a good budget to run a whole, a good privateer program. Um, mm. so that was tough for me, but, um, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was just me having to come to terms with wanting to actually do the work and stuff like that. And now I would, I, I, do the work and I do everything that I'm supposed to. And if I take a week off, I'm like, Oh, I need a week off. And then I take that week off. I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like I want to go, you know, and I hate to be the person I hate posting about like how hard I work and stuff like that. But it's weird nowadays because I actually enjoy like cycling and gym and stuff like that. Cause I've done it for shoot going on like 13 years that it's like kind of just a part of my life. And if I don't do it, it feels like something's missing, you know? Um, so it's kind of, uh, I've adapted but if you'd have told me back then that I enjoyed cycling right now, I'd be like, you are fucking crazy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. Dude, it's yeah. funny. Like, there's a, I feel like there's a moment in most people that like end up kind of achieving whatever they set out to do where yeah. you just kind of like exactly what you said, where it's like, you just kind of realize how much work it's going to take. And then mm-hmm. you just accept it. You're just like, oh, yeah. fuck. All right. It, I guess it just, it, it is what it is. It's funny though, because like right now I train with um, Jet Reynolds. He works with Brock. Poor guy. He keeps just getting injured, but he'll, he'll bounce back. He'll be good. But like I train with those guys and I love riding with the PC guys because they have so much youth and they're so, yeah. um, so just want to be successful, you know? So they're just young and, and uh, it keeps me excited because I feel like sometimes like when I was at Alden's, it was like a bunch of grumpy old guys, you know, it was like Zach, yeah. Marvin, Dunge, yeah. and not that they, they were good to train with and stuff like that, but you could tell they had an aspect of all of us that were somewhat jaded, you know, and they yeah. were kind of like a little bit like, like, like a little grumpy a little bit some days, but these kids just show up every day and they send it, you know, it's, and like, <laughs> I ride with like McAdoo and, and all those kids, but I always tell Jet when we're on the road, ride, I'm like, I'm like, dude, just think you got 12 more years of this shit. <laughs> I just like, and I know he hates it. I'm just like talking crap. So I'm like, dude, you just got 12 more years of this. And, uh, he's just, he thinks it's funny. Try and make it. Yeah, light. dude. Yeah, well, I mean the it's so hard. It'd be so hard to have the perspective though. Like, the Casey Stoner retires at twenty seven, mm-hmm. millions of dollars, super successful, great wife, great family. If you fucking put in the work, like there's there's just not many opportunities that you can get as a young person to mm-hmm. go 
damn dude by the time i'm 30 like i could be retired and i could just be doing what i want to be doing and Mm -hmm. i think that it'd be so hard on those road rides when you're like just fucking getting dropped you've got a headwind you're Mm. in the middle of nowhere you've run out of water (laughs) it's like to have that perspective but i mean at some point you'll be 30 and at some Mm -hmm. point you know you're either goes by in a blink of an eye crazy quick huh yeah like dude i remember some of those times like my first year at alden's and we were going through boot camp and i would be like we'd do the road ride and and i would have to ride up the hill by his house to my apartment and uh dude some days i wouldn't even go i would just go to his house and have someone pick me up because it's just like and (laughs) and, and to be able to be like yeah you just got to do this and like it's gonna it's gonna be good for you you're like what <laughs> you're, this is crazy <laughs> but now you get to that point where you're 30 i'm 29 right now i turn 30 next year and um there's nothing else i'd rather be doing and um yeah. that's a it's a coming of age thing i guess you could say and and it i wouldn't necessarily say the clock's ticking but you really want to enjoy it for as long as you can you know yeah. some people really want to work hard and retire early you know and at one point i thought i was maybe one of those guys but now i'm i'm like the actual process i'm enjoying it more than i ever have um yeah and that's something i never thought i would be like uh that guy and I could have never like those few years at Alden. I'm like, dude, I can only handle this for one more year. I can only handle this for one more year. And then yeah. shoot, it's, it's almost eight, nine years later. And, uh, man, I'm enjoying it just as much as anything. I wouldn't rather, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So that's, that's, I'm glad I've made it to this point. Cause it, it feels pretty damn cool. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Do you think with this attitude, because I, I remember you being pretty miserable at Alden's, like even just being yeah. in Claremont. Uh, do you think like, you're probably not going to, but do you think you could go back and like enjoy that program now just with like a fresh, fresh perspective and like having kind of been through it? Or is it just something that you just don't think you could enjoy it again? Uh, I needed time away. I really did. Yeah. And um, I stopped working with Alden, but my relationship was never bad with him. And yeah. right now I could go back and, and I could. But at, at that point, it wore on me so hard. Not only did like maybe like my success kind of wear on me, um, the training wore on me, um, managing relationships within Alden's facility with all the guys and stuff like that. Cause like, mm. dude, it's tough because you want to show up to the track and you want to be able to be vulnerable, you know, and mm. it's hard to be vulnerable when you got all of this stuff around you and good on Alden. Cause he really built an amazing, you know, facility and, you know, he's probably making kick-ass money. And I love Alden though, because he'll always tell you, he'll be like, he like, he's broke, but he ain't broke. But, um, but the the thing is, is he's done a great job. And and that's one thing that I've never knocked him for. I'm like, bro, you're running a business. I'm running a business. I'm trying to ask Husky for as much money as I can get. You're trying to ask me for as much money as I can get respect, you know, but, um, I needed a little bit of time away and I stopped working with him. And then last uh, summer it was cool because I got hurt, but I came back and rode for two months and I rode at Alden's with him, Mm. you know, and I was doing motos with all the guys and everything like that. And I really think that it wouldn't be that hard for me to go back into it. 
just because I know like my base is good and the suffering wouldn't be as bad as it was when I was younger. Um, mm. and, and you, and this is crazy, but I think within Alden's program, you kind of got to manage yourself because the hard part is, is you're recycling with like four guys who they all want to be the strongest and they want to have, it's your egos, you know? And, uh, mm. and for me, I think that I would, I understand now that some days I would just let them have it, you know, but at some mm. points when I was like cycling and stuff Fuck, like that, you'd yeah, be like, dude. you'd be like wanting to drop them and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd be like, Marv beat me last weekend. Like I'm going to make you suffer on this road ride. And I trust me, I never made him suffer. I was not that strong because I wasn't into <laughs> cycling. Like, and then when like Zach came along, Oh dude, that dude just loves road bike. And I'm like, bro, just fucking chill one day. Give us one day a week. <laughs> but, um, it was uh, it was tough for me, and then being away from it, I feel like I could go back and I could manage it way better and enjoy yeah. it. But the, the hard part for me was I didn't really enjoy living in Florida, too. And yeah. I'm, a, I'm a West Coast kid. I'm from the West Coast. I grew up in New Mexico, and we would race in California, you know? So I really enjoy it out here. So I feel like right now my happiness is, is here, and that's like yeah. a big part of it. Cause I don't think you're progressing if you're not that happy, you know, you can only be miserable for so many years. And I think yep. being close to my family and having my whole setup here is, is really good for me. Yeah, dude. Nah, a hundred percent, man. That's so funny. What you said about like, you've got to just accept some days that you've just got to not be the man on a road ride or like, it's just yeah. all ego. Cause I know for me with training, like I go to training every night and I'm like fucked. Like I'm so fucked from just mm -hmm. daily, just being in the daily grind of training like that. And then you get someone that you have to roll. And I'm just looking at that guy. And I'm like, I fucking don't want to beat you, but like I have to, like if I go yeah. hard, I'm going to be ruined at the end of this. And it's like, I'm just mm -hmm. doing this thing in my head. Like, just go easy, just go easy. Like you don't have to beat this dude. You don't have to beat this dude. And it's just like that fucking switch to have that control mm -hmm. of your own ego to just like manage yourself and not blow yourself out over fucking nothing. Like literally just your ego. It's so hard to do, man it is it really is and and like dude when i was there sometimes i'm like i wish i would have just tried less on the road ride this morning just so i could put more of my ego into my riding not in and just yeah. effort and uh it's crazy and i dude it's kind of funny too because like even some of my more successful years i was such a pain in the ass there i know that for a fact because like <laughs> dude 18 when i was winning my championship i was like dude they're i'm the road rides are almost like not too gnarly for me and I could hang on, but I just felt like it was unproductive for me just mentally. Mm. Um, and I still did the same amount of time, you know, but dude, there were some days, uh, honestly, right now I feel like the best on my bicycle. So like no big flex or nothing, but back then, <laughs> um, like in 2018, I was winning my championship and I'd be so fired up on the road ride. I do. There was a couple days where I just turn around. They would be going and they'd be like, where'd Jason go? I just, fuck it. <laughs> and, oh, it did not go over well. It did not go over well at all. But, Dude, yeah, it's live and learn that. type of stuff. Uh, I think that Alden's probably got a bit of a bad rap lately. I think it's probably, like, undeserved. I mean, he went on such a crazy run. Like, what kind of mm -hmm. other run can you go on? that that's like what he did in the sport and then mm -hmm. you know riders leave and then it's like every time a rider leaves 
everyone's just straight like kind of jumping on Alden but it's like I guess it's just he's built a crazy successful thing and like you said like he's running a business there and I mean there just is a lifespan on like that type of training I guess and I think you know maybe you've got to be in a certain headspace because like for me right like with this the first probably three and a bit years of this like Mm -hmm. I was suffering in that same way it's like Mm -hmm. you know you didn't want to be in Florida you didn't want to be on the road but like dude I I had times in this where if I heard my fucking voice one more time like I was just gonna fucking kill myself like I just I was trying Mm -hmm. to edit podcasts on mute like it was such a like I was suffering to do this Mm -hmm. but there was it was the only way and I like my apartment was a piece of shit like I just had one fucking one mattress on the floor no tv a desk and I was literally just taking my computer from the office to home sometimes sleeping on the floor like there's just a level of suffering that I think it takes to kind of like get to a certain level but you are right like there's only so long you can suffer in that way before you need to like balance it out which I guess is kind of what you're saying with like I need to be back in California I have to be happy like I can't just suffer forever Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's tough but like whether Alden gets flack or anything like that the dude is proven you know um Mm. And the thing is that I, that's tough, I think, for him right now is is people used to go to him with a mindset to win. You know what I'm saying? And mm. and they would do whatever it took. And he's very stubborn. And he and he put and he make sure you do everything you can to, you know, get the job done. And it's his way. And then now it's like I feel like some people believe that there's other ways to do it, which it's hard not to believe that, you know, you see Eli Tomac success. He's done everything by himself. Um, Mm. You see these guys that leave Alden and have success. So it puts that thought into guys that are there in in their head, you know, Mm. and it used to be you go to Alden and you win, you know, and I, I will. Yes, but I still believe that if you go to Alden's, and you put your heart into it and you believe that you are doing the right thing, you will show up to Anaheim one and you will be a menace to everyone yeah. for 18 rounds of Supercross. Yeah. That's just a fact, you know? And uh, if people got past the noise on the outside and just went to his program and fully believed in it, it's just, uh, it's proven. And not, like, if I'm being honest, I don't believe that everything he does is correct, you know? But... If you believe in it, you will be a menace. You will you will be winning mm. races and you'll be doing good. You know, so that's the uh, that's 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 just how it is. And I think it has a lot to do with your belief in him. And I think that yeah. people have been taking that away. You know, they've been just yeah. they've been trying to take it away for years, saying you know like oh his guys are doing PEDs or like doing this and that. And I like, I've been in that thing and you'd be working hard. You know, so yeah. Uh, it's it's proven you're 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 probably like the alden poster boy for not doing peds because <laughs> yeah you, you ain't exactly fucking shredded bro yeah dude i know dude i always tell i always tell my wife can do this i'm like i go to the gym so much i'm like <laughs> why don't i look ripped like i gotta be yeah. like what's wrong with me like dude it's terrible i i mean i'm skinny but that's about all i got going for me um but i like kind of got abs but i really got to watch my diet if i want some clean abs you know but dude then you see some of these guys next to me like dude roxon dude looks f- ripped 
he looks like <laughs> just chiseled, yeah bro. He, and i'm like i'm like he's fitter than me <laughs> like like if you just look at him <laughs> you know yeah. i'm like i've been doing this much and he looks like that like was he doing more than me <laughs> you're just like you're just confused but it's yeah i guess i ain't got the jeans i got those mexican jeans you and i see bro you you and i see uh, yeah i think there's a couple of us like i always saw zach and zach never zach always just nah. never looked that fit but he was a beast i tell you that much yeah dude no i find that shit funny uh so do you think that you w- could have won the championship in 18 like not on alden's program like was it super instrumental into into you getting to the level that you're at now <sighs> yeah i will say after 2017 I was really, really having a hard time with with the whole program over there and stuff like that. And in that off season before 18, I spent a lot of it in California. And I know mm. that was not like a big thing. And, that and didn't go down well, huh? It was kind of like frowned upon. But um, I was able and I and I really was like, I was kind of focusing on really enjoying myself. I was trying mm. to bring back a level of enjoyment to it that I thought was going to help me be happy and progress. And I was able to come to Oz X. I was doing that race. I did Geneva. Mm. And those are kind of like, I, it's kind of a little vacation, you know? And it's, um, the races are, are professional and they're awesome. But for us to just be able to get away from what we're doing in the week, that was nice to do the, the, that type of stuff. And then, I, I showed up to the first round and I was like, I felt ready, you know? Um, mm. and then I went back to Florida during the East coast and it was still wearing on me just the whole program and everything. Um, but yeah, I think that the, uh, the level of fitness that I had from years past and, and even that year and stuff like that, I think that, um, the work ethic that, you know, obviously if you leave Alden's, you don't do less you know you always Mm. have that you you have that like thing in the back of your head like this is what i did for the success so um i move it around but i still even to this day have a very similar program you know i ride Mm. the same days and stuff like that but um i think if i didn't work with him i would have still done really well maybe still won but i think that championship came from the previous three years of work more mm. so than that year, you know, and, uh, the way my, my brain worked and, and how much heart I put into my riding and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you said before about like vulnerability at the track. So it's like, you want to be able to show when you're struggling, almost like you want to be able to wear your heart on your sleeve a little bit more and not have to feel like people are going to use that against you in a way like is that kind of the feeling well, it's tough because um you know at that point i was racing marvin for the championship and marvin was mm. the guy training right next to me at alden's so if you showed any weakness in that had to be a little bit of confidence towards him you know mm. and even if it wasn't in my head i felt like it was and 
that's um that's nothing personal and the hard part is is like that stuff gets in between you know me and marv being friends or even thinking about being friends because it's just tough you know dude there's a lot on the line we dream about being a supercross champion our whole life and Mm. to be next to the guy that's challenging you and you're supposed to do motos and you're showing him everything you got i in 18 i and i maybe went about this kind of like an asshole but I was like, I ain't fucking riding with him. Like, I was mm. just straight up, you know? Uh, and now I think about it. Well, I won the championship. So we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're pumped on that. <laughs> but if I would have ridden with him and not won the championship, I'd have been like, fuck, you know? But, uh, really? So, yeah, uh, it's just, it just wears on you, you know? So, how did you, so did you like go to them and say, like, hey, we got to structure this shit different? I ain't doing motos with him. I'll do motos with him, him, and him, but not him. Yeah. I told all that. That's dope. (laughs) Yeah. But it was still terrible. It sucked though because me and Marv still had to go to the gym together. We had to do road rides together. So, it was still just. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was what it was, but I knew how much was on the line and, and I knew if I didn't say that feeling and I held that feeling and I wasn't being honest with myself. So Mm. yeah, it's tough, but at the same time, I'm like, I wouldn't have changed it, you know, and no disrespect to Marvin, dude, trust me, that guy puts his heart into his riding and he deserves every bit of the success he gets, you know, and And probably uh, one of the nicest dudes ever yeah he's he he's he is he really is nice and it's weird right now because like i see marvin on the line and it's kind of weird but we have like this little bit of banter to where i feel like we're cool with each other you know and that's uh that's like that's a cool thing you know um i don't know if he feels the same way but i kind of feel that a little bit but it's uh yeah it's it's a but that that whole little series, that 2018 one, was tough for me, and that wore on me for years past. Yeah. So, what what was it about riding with him that made you like? What was the edge you, that felt like you were giving up if you rode with him? Okay, so I read this book, and it was called. It was about overspeeding, and it's a it's a process of training, and um, like baseball. Uh, baseballers use this and and they basically obviously when they are hitting balls in the batting cage they turn the speed up so they're used to hitting it at like fucking Mm. 105 and the pitchers be pitching it at like 90 what eight miles an hour so i was like i was like well if i'm faster than him i'm teaching him how to be as fast as me you know and that's what Alden's whole new process is right now and I feel like once the top guys get to a certain level they're very similar you know Mm. so to win I feel like it's more of like a a chess match in a sense you know like you're just like you're trying to figure each other out but you really are the same speed and I'm like I just want to be better all the time and I don't want to help him be any faster than what he is because if I'm faster one day and I teach him how to be as fast as me because you can really learn a lot from following a guy I was like Mm. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, like that's just another added <laughs> yeah. stress that I could eliminate from my, uh, my head. So I think that was a, that was a big reason. And that's, that's what, I, that's what I thought. Yeah. Dude, it's a fucking ball of play though, you know, like, and to have the mm-hmm. the confidence in yourself. And it's like, I I mean, I say it all the time. Like, I think, I think Coop won 
the lot those two championships that Coop won, like he won that off big dick energy. It's just like that's a that's a thing in sport. Like you think Tom Brady is gonna do shit on the field that or like in the practice room or in the, with the coaching staff that's like not about Tom Brady. Like unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's the that's the ego that needs to go into racing to like be successful. But then mm-hmm. then it becomes a balancing act of like if you go super far to the right of like ego fucking centric and i'm like me 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 then you've kind of got to be able to balance that out because this dude is a fucking dick but it's mm-hmm. like it sort of is what it is when it comes to being the top tier dude uh in a sport you know you kind of just got to like make those calls that are for you and sort of fuck everybody else in a sense Coop, Coop kind of cracks me up because he, he'd be constantly just trying to play like these um i mean I think he's actually kind of calmed down a little bit with it, but those years where he was like, like 2019, oh, you know, he was like, he's cutthroat. He really is cutthroat, right. and he Ruthless. will say, he will, he will say anything. Um, yeah, like I remember being at Salt Lake, and he he got second in the championship behind Tomac, but he would be saying some shit on the line all the time, and I was just like, I was like, this guy is kind of funny, like, and and it's funny <laughs> because like for me, I'm like. I'm like, uh, I think it's funny. Like, I think a lot of other guys like get really cracked up at it. Rattled, it, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Rattled or not, I mean, he still kicked my ass a lot of those nights when he was talking crap. So I can't really say anything, but I thought it was pretty funny. So, did you what? What was the? Um, didn't you and Coop like start something back in the day? Like, what was what was like before? Fuck. Am I cooking it on something? You and Coop were like involved in something together for a, a bit, weren't you? Like some filming and shit, or uh, I'm no? To There's this thing uh, called uh, like Evergood that uh, Shirky yes, used to yeah. do. Um, but uh, that was that sure, was Shirky's sure. deal, yeah. And he would do uh, like these. Okay. Uh, They're called Innermost. They were like little episodes yep, on there. Yeah, yeah. So, but that was that was Shirky's deal. Uh, I thought for some reason you and Coop were like, yeah, I thought you and Coop were sort of like in on that, but for some reason. Mm -mm, Not very much. I mean, dude, Shirky and all them would stay at my house the whole time they were doing it. So that's how I knew a lot about it. But that was, that was about as far as it went. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. So I guess like, is, is there even a point too, where like the, the personality sort of comes into it to where like, cause I know from you, like you're a you kind of are like a hard on your sleeve sort of dude to where it probably not, I don't want to say like emotional, but there's like, yeah. there's definitely like a lot of different sides to you. Like I know other guys that they're just like really one dimensional. There's not like yeah. you sort of, if you see one side of them, you've kind of like seen all of their sides where I know with you, there's like a lot of different sides to your personality and you're like you're a guy that's like super thoughtful and then you're a guy that's real caring at times as well it's like mm-hmm. there's it's a complex kind of deal and it's like if you go to a place and you have to just be like this one guy like you have to just live in like that one lane of like i got to be the alpha i got to be the alpha i got to be the alpha when you're a guy that if you're just an alpha that's like just your personality it's fucking sweet like Mm-hmm. do you think but if you're a guy like yourself that's got these different sides to your personality does that kind of wear on you as well that's almost like you just can't be yourself in a way 
Dude, it's it's really tough. Um, I remember training with with Dunge a lot, and I feel Dunge was with one of the most one dimensional human beings I've ever met. Like, and I don't know <laughs> him past his career, but whenever he was in his career, that is all he thought about to everything. That was everything, and I would be there, and I'd be like. Oh, I wish I could be like that, but I have so many different interests and stuff like that. And, and sometimes I think that I am an alpha in some senses and sometimes I am definitely not, you know? Um, and it's, uh, I've been way better at managing that, you know, like being able to, but for a while there, it was really confusing on to me, not to be which person I am, but like, I'd be joking around and then I'd have to turn on serious mode and go to the line. It was really tough for me to kind of do that because uh, it's, um, yeah, it's tough. Like I'm growing up and like a dude, if I'm being honest, I really sometimes when I was like, say 22, 23, you know, I wanted to go out and party, you know, and it was and but I knew if I was more one dimensional, I'd only care about going to sleep and going to the race, you know. But that's just, that was who I was, who I am, you know? I mean, nowadays I'm older, I'm, I got my stuff more in line. Um, but during those eras, it was really hard for me and I was battling myself on both ends, you know? But you mm. can't have both, you know? Mm. Um, even like even like sometimes too, like I know I went to Cowie and I think they were very surprised on like um, how I am, like I, like, I think they weren't expecting me to be as, you know, on it as I am just because like I do, like if you would look at my Instagram, maybe not now, but like of years previous, like you would see that I got a lot going on, you know, and that's kind of like an introduction to my brain and that's like whether it's team fried or whether it's like making little videos or anything like that, you could tell that, uh, you're gonna it's like it looks like it's hard to pin me down and make me do you know this stuff every single day but uh i'm i'm really good now about you know juggling it you know works work and i'm pretty good at detaching um from that and then going into you know my little uh tom introducing me to a new video or like watching youtube or or anything like that like being creative like i think i'm good at managing that but for a while there it was really really tough for me and i saw dungeon i was so jealous i was like man i wish i was only interested in that one thing but i have so much other things going on in my brain and i can't like it's like sometimes it's like you see on the wall and it's like don't push this button and i'm just like oh, i fucking want to push it you know <laughs> and that's kind of how i was but it's uh i'm i'm lucky as well that I was able to make those mistakes so I don't resent myself too much on not being able to live life to a certain extent trust me I had to tone it back a little bit but I was able to do I think pretty much everything a normal human would do you know while Mm. still being able to race and have a career and with that too I think I've been able to make mistakes and have a crew around me like Bobby to be like that slide which is good you know because i mean it's working out well i mean that's sort of where i was gonna go next man is like they're sort of it's like should there be a little bit more room for people to you know you have a guy like bobby that that's just a dude that had your back like that's a Mm -hmm. 
I guess family lines can get blurred a little bit if yeah. like everyone treats everyone like family. Like there definitely has to be a point where it's like, nah, dude, I'm your fucking boss. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, I even think that with, you know, the the way that I try and run shit here, it's like if the boys want to ride, if like people want to go do shit, mm-hmm. like, people got to live their life. Like you got to kind of be who you are and you got to like, you can't kind of like chain people down because you're not going to get the best out of them and then you're not going to get uh, that kind of like longevity. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know, is there, does there need to be a little bit more room for people to, you know, like, dude, when Sexton was on here, he was like, I mean, I don't think Sexton knows like, the extent the party can go but it's like he was like even he's like saying like oh yeah i party like there was this real hesitance that he had to even admit like i did some form of partying in the off season it's like dude you're a good looking 20 something year old kid that's making mm-hmm. fucking bank there'd be that many chicks that want <laughs> would want like there's a certain amount of like exploration that you have to do to just see, you know, like what's available in life. I mean, some dudes aren't drawn to that, but if you are, it's like, fuck man, that's a punishing thing to have to just like stifle if there's, and there is ways where you can do it without being a complete fuck up. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there is ways you can do it without being a fuck up, but like, it's tough, you know? And sometimes I think about, I think about this, like right now I'm in a good spot and I've, I, I feel like I still have a lot more race wins in me and everything like that. But I feel like you maybe do give up a little bit. Like if you want to go explore or whatever, you know, different avenues of life and stuff like that. Um, this career is really, really tough. And I feel like, uh, you do give up a little bit, you know, mm. um, and going through it, like I know, like 100%, like I've given up, you know, results or whatever it is, but I've always showed up and I've always gave it my all and everything like that. And, and I'm, I'm probably the, I think my latter years are going to be the best ever because, you know, not to say I got it out of my system, but I feel like I'm so content with where I'm at right now Mm -hmm. that I don't need to like kind of do that stuff anymore. Like I experienced it and, and I really enjoy my job and stuff like that. But I'm, I wonder what I wonder is like, are people that go through this career, they never explore. And by Mm. the time they retire, they have a family and kids. Do they have that, that door that hasn't been opened inside of their brain to be able to explore? Do they resent themselves for that? You know, and mm. that's something I'll never have to deal with. Maybe they have 40 mm-hmm. wins like stacked up, but do they feel like personally, do they feel like they um, mm. missed out on that, you know, and would they maybe give, give up a little bit of those wins to be able to be like, you know, um, yeah. I, I saw it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I didn't yeah. like it, but then they're like, oh, what if they really liked it? And <laughs> they just want to keep going back for more. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like Dude, yeah I bottles mean, on me <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i was that guy like i i definitely uh i'll i'll admit straight up like there was a period of time where like when i was in the u.s a big part of my identity was around the fact that like people knew that I could go to a bar or an after party and like I was a dude that you should hang around because like there's gonna be girls that are hanging around I thought that was cool made me feel really good like I won't lie about it now as a 33 year old man I can look back and be like 
that's kind of fucking lame, you know, like to yeah. be that guy. But like, I kind of had to go through, I had to go through that. I was super young. I was in a different country and I always had it in my head that I did not want to like get married and have kids and do all that without just doing some like crazy shit. Like imagine like, and this might sound fully retarded, but it's like, I always wanted to have a threesome. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that I could have ever got married and, like, and like had threesomes coming up on Pornhub and, like, be like, man, I wonder how that feels, you know? But then you're, like, looking at your wife and be like, fuck, you're the reason I can't have this thing. And it's like, I don't know, does that sound lame to people? Probably. Like, and there's probably people that that's, like, not a thing for them. But I know there's a lot of people where that is a thing for them and it's, like, they need to experience those things or they're going to have exactly what you said, like, that unopened door. So it's, yeah. like, yeah, man, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, I'm in that same camp. And that's a, that's a tough battle to have with yourself. Just, like, dude, we go through, like I said, we go through puberty and we're pro, you know? There's no, there's no college era. There's no, none of that. So um, it's, it's a tough thing. And, like, it's crazy because I always... I always think about this is like, do humans really do what they want to do? You know, because like sometimes I feel like if you're like really do what you want to do, you wake up and you just like, all right, I'm going to go do this. Like for us, like we can, we've never had even like right now we don't have weekends like that. Like we wake up on Sunday, we Mm. go to the airport. Like we don't really have that at all, you know, and that's something you just got to like, you never get that until maybe you retire, you know? So, uh, it's tough. There's all those unopened doors, you know, but that's, um, that's, uh, that's what you give up, you know, to, to be, you know, a top level guy. Um, and some give up more and some give up less, but it doesn't necessarily mean giving up. Um, I think that like I'm successful, you know, and I think I have a good career and I think I have way better stuff to go on and and I'm completely content at what I was able to experience but now I'm like I just want to be creative do team fried race dirt bikes uh do supercross and motocross and I don't want that to end um I got my wife I that's awesome I got Tom and Matt they're my friends and I'm like shit is good right now I don't really need I don't feel the need to go party and stuff like that although there is gonna be some weekends that me and my wife are probably gonna go get you know turned up a little bit you know (laughs) hit the local chilies get some two-for-one drinks maybe some chips and salsa (laughs) go crazy but you know that's kind of where I'm at but um I'm I'm lucky that I was able to experience a lot of that stuff you know yeah um, well i think well while not fucking up my career yeah yeah and (laughs) and there's people that have done it that have fucked up their career and that's like it Mm -hmm. is what it is but i think that Mm -hmm. too you know like we would both know guys that have retired that like literally they just don't know who they are they don't have social skills they don't so Mm -hmm. it it's sort of like you could take the full serious like moto fucking journalistic Mm. approach to this and be like well it's about fucking winning and you get paid to fucking win bro like Mm -hmm. you could be that guy but then it's like okay cool well i mean that's for like a period of time and it's like yes you can win and yes you can be set up and i Mm -hmm. agree that they're all good things 
to be mm-hmm. super successful, to have shit taken care of forever. But it's like, okay, you also should want to have social skills and you should also, you know, want to have been put in some like kind of weird experiences. And I mean, some of the fucking best friends that I've got are people that I've been like fucked up with at 3am and like yeah. barely hanging on. <laughs> and then you've mm-hmm. got those people that are like bringing you through. Like you learn, yeah. you kind of learn a lot about yourself and not to you don't need to get fucked up to learn about that but just to do these like crazy experiences and if you go through these experiences with you know people it can create these great friendships you learn a lot about like who you are and then you can learn a lot about like oh i've kind of done that now i've kind of moved on Mm -hmm. from here and so i I just i think it's a bit more valuable than what people maybe make it out for and for some 100 percent yeah yeah it's just uh it's just learning about yourself that's all it is and what you like and what you don't like and stuff like that because if you don't experience it you'll never know if you don't like it you know um and we uh a lot of guys aren't going to be able to but um i think that's something that people should keep in mind sometimes whenever they go about living life because you only got one of them yeah dude it goes by quick Mm does i turn 30 next year i'm so like bummed about that i'm like damn dude it's gone by so quick i'm an old guy in the class now um but i'm like shit i don't see it stopping anytime soon nah man i don't i don't think i think you've like i think you've found such a good groove as well with like just where you're at and so i think like i think the monster thing's cool the cowie mm-hmm. things obviously work and the team fried thing's cool like yeah what you just described like you've kind of got your people around you um Mm -hmm. and it's yeah it just seems like you've kind of like figured out like where you're at and it's like dude i don't know that's almost like the start of something in a way you know like when you kind of have your life semi dialed in it's sort of you might be the old guy but it's like you're kind of just now got shit figured out so it's like okay what can you do with this like (laughs) start like you're at a starting point now you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I I say I say that all the time. Is like, I I'm 29 right now, but I, as a racer and stuff, I still feel really young. Like I just like not that I just got it figured out, but I mean, dude, I won a Supercross championship, but I personally I didn't have it figured out when I did that. You yeah, know, just for yeah, my yeah, personal you, you life. You on top of shit. Yeah, yeah, I was not on top of shit, but like now I feel like my life is very figured out and stuff like that. But, um, you know, luckily I got everything set up around me because, you know, the weekends are hectic, you know, um, I mean, two the last three weekends for me have not gone that good, but it had just, I'm able to come home and, and luckily with the team and everything, I'm able to somewhat push my mentality onto them and they're very, you know, cool with everything mm. that's going on and, and it, it helps you, um, stay out of the BS a little bit, you know, it's not always cool seeing it, but you know, my whole, my whole life in general is really nice right now. So, um, trying to keep it that way. So I'm trying to think about where we should go next. Cause there's so much shit I want to talk to you about, but, uh, I guess like, let's just go to New Mexico for a bit and just like, mm-hmm. maybe there's like some a base here we can kind of, uh, yeah. uncover a little bit. Like what was it like for you growing up? Cause I mean, there's a lot of cool stories about big Mike being like the man in the pits. Like if you wanted to go yeah. and have a beer and like have a laugh and a good time, then yeah. it's like, you'd go to the, the Anderson pit in the amateur days. And it's yeah. like, I mean, all right, you got Eli Tomac and Jason Anderson, <laughs> like 
That's like John Tomac, mountain bike legend, fucking grinderholic. His mum was an athlete. His brother's in the Air Force, like living in a ranch in Colorado, eating elk meat. And then you got Jason Anderson, New Mexico, Big Mike in the pits, offering everyone beers. Like, yeah. okay, I can see why there's a contrast in styles at, at the pro level. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a product of your environment, I guess you could say. But... uh yeah, dude, growing up in New Mexico was really cool. Like I always grew up and I always felt like I was missing out a little bit because I saw all these guys at MTF. Eli ha- always had his own track at his house and me and my dad would just literally go to the desert and just ride these tracks. Like we had this one place called the gravel pit and it was just some shitty yeah. desert track. And, and I always tried to convince them into making me go to like, I, I saw them winter ams in Florida were huge with treadle and Barsha was at MTF. And I was like, I felt like I was missing out. But now that I look back on it, I'm so thankful that I didn't really do too much of that stuff because I think I was able to learn a lot, you know, just going to school and stuff like that. That was really cool. So I would say as far as my upbringing, I was kind of one of the more normal ones. I mean, trust me, yeah. it's not fully normal. I mean, look at, I was, we we're all prodigies at eight years old, so you can't be completely normal, but they kept it, um, kept it, kept it real for the most part. And, uh, yeah, my dad's always kept it real. He never like, dude, when I raced and stuff, he was never hard on me. He would be like, I <laughs> do like get like 15th and he'd be like, dude, that was sick, you know? And then <laughs> I had like my grandma, grandpa, they'd be taking me around because my parents had to work. So my grandma, grandpa would take me around and it was cool. You know, it was, um, we'd be going to races in California, leaving on Friday night, driving back Sunday night to get to school on Monday. So it was, it was very, uh, somewhat like kind of their very blue collar, you know, kind of, a, and yeah. that's, that's something that I'm kind of proud of, you know, it's not like they came from, it's not like they're John Tomac, you know, world mountain bike champion or anything like that. But my mom's a teacher and my dad works on the railroad and they still keep it 100 right now. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it explains a lot about like the way that you want to keep a close knit crew and like mm-hmm. that you want to feel like you always have a family around you. Cause I mean, I'm from, I guess, similar background of like just both like super blue collar parents and mm-hmm. like, it was just tight. Like even to this day, me and my brother, like I do everything with my little brother and, yeah. and I just, I don't know another way to do things and like family. And I think that yeah. in moto it's probably overlooked to a point that, a lot of families break down like to get to the level that you got to in motocross like there's not that Mm. many families that are super tight and i think that's why you see guys that kind of have like the man friend and the agent and the like they kind of create like this little group around them because like family is not that important and it feels a little bit like everything feels businessy within the Mm. environment whereas whenever like it's around you it's real family it feels like there's a lot of like just like love banter you know but even though the harder the banter the deeper the love in a way but it's like it just feels like that's kind of your vibe like Mm -hmm. you have to have that sort of family feel around you yeah yeah if i'm being honest like as far as like the family aspect goes with moto it gets real not good sometimes like i dude you see a lot of sad shit and you 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 probably know about a lot of it um and that sucks and i'm really really thankful that my me and my family we're good we love each other like dude to be honest like a big reason 
um, like this year, like I sold my home in Florida. I bought a home in New Mexico. I have a piece of property with a track and that's where I'll be practicing all summer just so I could be closer to, you know, my mom and dad, my grandpa. And we're just gonna, you know, kind of keep it real at home in New Mexico. You know, I like, I enjoy, um, you know, being able to be on the West coast in California. And I think it was good for me to be close to the team, but I, I do want to do both, you know, and I have my property in New Mexico. Um, and I'd be closer to my family. My, my dad, he'll be over there grilling. He'll probably have his, he has a fridge that has almost every single type of beer that he could find around within a (laughs) 20 mile radius. So it's, he's pretty funny, but he's, uh, he still, he loves dirt bikes too. So he's, uh, he's down with it. So it's, it's cool that, uh, we're able to keep it that way. And it's, it's not always the case with. Oh dude, no, it's not the case uh, at all, man. And and I think like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just got different effects, you know, like I think what it invites then, like if you don't have a tight family and if you don't have like those family vibes like i even see people that um you know like their parents are divorced and they just look at relationships in a completely different way you know so Mm -hmm. i just think like when you come from the environment that you come from i think that it just like it bleeds into all of your life i think you look at like tomac you know like they've never even really gone outside of their family like talk about a tight-knit family Mm -hmm. yeah yeah dude they it's crazy because between Kathy, John, and Eli, they, those two have been a core group. And what's what's really, I think, the, one of the most Im- impressive things about them is they stayed true. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he, if Eli never had, if he had times where like he wasn't doing good, or like you could tell like struggle was happening, even in his light days or whatever, bro, they never, they always stuck to the plan and they kept, they kept it between them. You do, I don't know very many people that know much about them you know and i grew up around eli and i i'm like i'm like i'm like i really wonder what the dynamic is like in that whole thing but no matter what i know you you know the main characters no matter what but you have no idea what the storyline or the dynamic is in between that that family but it's uh you know that that is a mystery that is honestly marketing for eli you know that's something that you'll never know and that's going to be kind of what he's known for. He was like a, he's a secretive dude that you don't know much about, but he freaking rips on a dirt bike. And you know, like when he goes beast mode, he'd be going beast mode. <laughs> he's got some weird gear that none of us understand. Dude, he ride he rides a dirt bike so much different than I ever think of anyone riding a dirt bike. He's, it's crazy, but Hey, he does it. I feel like I do it like a little more flowy and stuff like that. He'd just be hammering that throttle. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's cool to watch. Um, I hate getting beat by it, but I'm trying to make it happen less nowadays. Dude, the after Daytona, just a fanboy on Eli for a little, a little minute yeah. here. His 450 was fucked in 25 oh, yeah. minutes. <laughs> I get Dude. two years out of a 450 he fucked one in 25 minutes and it's like someone uh i was watching i forget who i was watching the race with but like what's wrong with his bike i'm like eli tomac eli tomac is what's wrong with his bike like it's fucked because of him he 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 went through a bike and it's like some people go through set like they'll go through tear-offs in a moto they'll go through fucking a a Mm -hmm. set of tires in a moto he went through an entire 450 that there's no one that i know that does that to a motorcycle 
Yeah, dude, he's he's hard on those things. You could hear it too. <laughs> so it's it's crazy. I I love the 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 juxtaposition between you two. Like you guys, you know, for you guys are the best two guys of this Supercross series, hands down. Yeah, and the the juxtaposition between the way that you go about it. I mean, you've got your own fucking brand that's about your personality. Eli mm-hmm. has about as little personality as could like i mean not him personally like i'm sure yeah. he's cool as fuck dude but in terms of like mm-hmm. what he wants to show people zero mm-hmm. personality he can he can fuck a dirt bike in 20 minutes you're like kind of flowy and cruisy and like you know the shirt's untucked it's just the most different styles ever the fact that you grew up racing each other it's like mm-hmm. for you to know like how long have you known eli tomac probably 25 years you know nothing Dude, about the kid since i was eight like straight up since i was eight and i know i like when we were younger we used to kind of ride together but yeah we i really don't know much about him i even like conversate i don't think he has very many conversations with many guys on the line or anything like that but I'm sure once you get on the inside, if you're in his group or whatever, he's probably really cool. You know, he's probably oh, fun to hang man. out with and stuff. Yeah. And that's what sometimes it's kind of weird that you got to understand that, like, maybe you don't know a person and you're around them all the time and you don't say a yep. word to them. But realistically, you would probably like you would probably enjoy hanging out with them if you really got to know them, you know. So that's, yeah. that's, that's a yeah. weird aspect to our sport because the camaraderie is zero, you know, like I have guys that I'm friends <laughs> yeah. with, but like I'm friends with Dean. Um, I, I would trust Dean pretty much with telling him anything. Um, but past that, it's like, I'm acquaintances with a lot of guys, but it's, I don't think anyone is really like friends with guys. And it's funny too, because you got like, the husky guys are riding together but if one of the husky guys went to yamaha and started riding in tallahassee i'm sure the relationship between them would be gone like that you know (laughs) yes it would just disappear but it's just because they ride together they see each other every day they like talk and hang out but it's kind of funny how that that dynamic is in our sport you know do you think that there's room to be better friends with people? Like, do you think that it's some like a place where we could get, or it's just, it's, is it just too competitive? It's, it's too competitive. There's a lot on the line. Yeah. Like, and when I say a lot on the line, it's not even money. Sometimes it's a lot more pride and, and you, and you feel like you've worked so hard to uh, do something and accomplish something that you're owed it. And this person's trying to take it away from you. It has, it makes it hard to be civil with them to a certain extent. Like you definitely would be like, say like, Hey, what's up and stuff like that. But you're, you really like, it makes it tough. You know, I see guys that are like friends, you know, like, um, I see like, even like, AC and Kenny, you know, they're, they're friends, yeah. but if it came down to it, it, I think it would get a little weird. You know, I think it would get weird yeah. if they were both in the championship position with three races to go, it would be really weird between them. You know, I don't think they could, I don't think people can keep that friendship through those times. Yeah. With yeah. our sport. No, it definitely makes, it definitely makes sense. Do you think too, the fact that 
like you were a normal kid like you had to have friends when you're a kid yeah. because you went to yeah. school and you did the whole thing mm-hmm. do you think it, it it sort of becomes a part of it to where like dude i've met some guys over there where i'm just like bro you're fucking retarded like you actually can't <laughs> have a conversation and i feel bad yeah. i'm not i'm not trying to be a dick but it's just like the level of conversational skill we're at freestone once and there was a rider and a trainer and it was like we were kind of all at dinner and he was like making a joke about like eating a bit of cake and i was just like fuck like that's that's literally the best you've got like that's the top of the pops and it was just like the most awkward thing that i've ever been through and i was like i felt bad for the guy because it's not like it's his fault you're fucking mtf kid for your entire life all you've ever done is racing you've been a child prodigy since you were six you probably make more money than as a fucking 12 year old that i'll make until i'm like in my mid 30s it's a very weird way to grow up so it's like can you even like do they even have a ability to make friends if they don't have like some somewhat of a normal relationship dude it's it's tough i i i believe that everyone to a certain extent has like anxiety and they're like awkward and stuff like that and even me like dude i get really really awkward like i'm very comfortable speaking like on the podium and stuff like that in front of all these fans but if a fan comes up to me at like a store or something like that i get awkward i like i really do (laughs) um but if i'm like shooting this shit with my friends at like a bar or like a restaurant i'm completely comfortable you know but like there's certain things that i i feel is is tough and i feel like but I think you need to put yourself in those positions more often to like help yourself grow and mm. be be able to do that stuff. And I think uh, our sport takes away from guys being able to develop those skills, you know. And dude, being able to like have good banter, you know, with just everyone in general will take you so far. You know, I think relationships, I think like when you go to school and stuff like that, you learn all this stuff. But dude, to be honest, the biggest thing is, is like people go to college. I think building relationships is more important sometimes than going to college and experiencing stuff from your peers and and, and things like that. And I think that uh, some people miss those aspects, you know, and man, I, I just I. I love like hanging out, shooting the shit, making jokes and stuff like that. But I hope, I hope people think that I'm pretty funny, you know, whenever I'm around and I'm comfortable with them. Like I know when I'm awkward, I'm not funny at all, but like, I hope that people think I'm funny whenever I'm just like chilling, you know, like me and Tom and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. I think that the awkwardness and the anxiety though comes from, uh, at least for me is like, people know who you are and you know in my case they spend a lot of time like listening to stuff that i'd say so you always wonder like who they think you are you know it's like who what version of them what version of me are they expecting to get and i think that's it's probably a bit of the case same thing with you where it's like they see this version of you uh and then you're like ah fuck which which jason anderson do they even know the hard part is, is whenever you meet fans and stuff like that, they know like Team Fried and stuff like that. And you'll see them at like uh, anywhere and they'll expect you to be very funny and be like this and that. Yeah. Like I try and I try and engage into the conversation as much as possible. But sometimes I have a lot on my mind, you know, and that's even just with managing relationships with people in the industry. Like I'm walking through the pits 
and I show up to the track. I'm walking through the pits to my semi and sometimes people want to have a conversation with me. I'm like, I don't want to be a dick or anything, but this conversation <laughs> right now, I'm having the hardest time having it because my mind is completely <laughs> on everything I got going on today, you know? So like no offense if I look like I'm completely uninterested, uninterested, but I don't mean anything by it, you know? And then sometimes <laughs> yeah. people come up to me and they expect me, I feel like to be very interesting and funny, but sometimes when I'm in like mode, I'm not that interesting and funny. Like, catch me like yeah. at another time but like right now and that's that's a tough thing for me because it's hard for me to turn the switch on and off like you come off the track yeah and you're like dude you're just trying to comprehend what went on you're sitting there and all these people just want to talk to you from the outside and you're like oh guys i'm so sorry but like right now i'm gonna give you absolutely nothing <laughs> and i really apologize for that because this is gonna be what your thought is of me and it is not gonna be that good but fuck i got no more left in the tank as far as my mental capacity goes with engaging in conversation with you or humor or anything like that so i am sorry if you want to come chill with me on the couch, like on Sunday, I'm sure I'll I'll I'll, I'll make I'll make you laugh and and uh, have have you enjoy yourself. But that's that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, no, dude. And you you just be having like the most intense, deep conversation in your own mind, and then someone's just like hitting you with some like surface level shit, and you're just like, oh, fuck, yeah. man, I'm not there right now. Like I'm actually I'm having a real in depth conversation with myself right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, but that's 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 the nature of it, though. That's like people that sometimes I think it's played up a little bit. Some of these guys who are so outgoing all the time. But then there's some guys mm. who are really like that. You know, I think Dean is one of the most authentic yeah. uh, person I know that is actually genuinely engaged in all those conversations that he has with fans at the track. Like that is that is him and that's something that comes very natural to him you know so i think that's that's a blessing to his career everything like that because for me i can i can talk and enjoy it but it's more of like a a one-on-one -on -one type of deal to where like dean can just like be in a crowd of people and he can be entertaining them you know just like yeah, him when he yeah. dude when he turns on the camera for his vlog he just says whatever is on his mind sometimes he has no filter and it's like really funny and very entertaining to watch and i don't have i don't believe i have that all the time but i believe that if you got to know me that i actually am someone i think i'm cool you know but i don't know <laughs> i think you're cool i've been i've been around i've been around <laughs> very cool jason anderson a lot of times <laughs> thank you thank you uh def definitely like post a race win uh, in a different country that's a fucking yeah. super fun jason anderson yeah yeah it's i have i've ha been known to have a couple good times that's for sure yeah uh you said the the relationships thing before i think that is crazy overlooked in just like life in general um and i think you know like this podcast is based on relationships you know like your career mm -hmm based on certain relationships um and you know like the bobby hewitt thing and you know like you kind of there's like those key people um i wondered i don't know like how much of it you want to talk about or can talk about but like the whole husky thing um when bobby left yeah. it was like it was like kind of i mean it was gnarly for me because like in my opinion like he built that whole program like that was his deal um but 
fuck it was quiet like i still to this day don't know the story like no one really talked about it It almost was just like this like silent like ushering out of the sport and i actually heard rumors that he's like working on something to come back which fuck i hope happens um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's like i don't know like does that i don't know how much you can even talk about it but i'm assuming that that was probably like a part of you leaving in a way um to to go to cowie like obviously it was a couple years later that you ended up leaving but i mean from my outside perspective like i even found it hard to be a fan of that team post that i guess based on my own bias of bobby in that situation um yeah so so basically bobby the the tough part was is is for me like whenever bobby you know um parted ways with Husqvarna it was tough for I think everyone on the team and I honestly it's just it was like a part of it died you know and I I hate to say that but like and I think Bobby would have helped me you know through a lot of the stuff that I had to deal with to, to I think he could have helped me you know be more be better these last couple of years um and and I, I i firmly believe this that if bobby if if it was ran the way bobby wanted to run it i would never have left never because i knew really? he would handle everything and he would have done whatever it took to keep me and he would have done even if sometimes i didn't like to hear what he had to say we always had a good respect for each other and that was really cool um how it went down I don't really know I just know it it went down um and it was you know it was it was a big part of me not wanting to be there you know because I just felt like slowly but surely people started just leaving the team you know and if you look at the team right now I think that like from the OG crew that I started with um CeeLo my mechanic is the only one left there and that's it yeah I think out of a out of a whole team that Bobby assembled, you know, they're realistically maybe the truck drivers are the same, and like there's mechanics that have came in towards the end of Bobby that are still there, but like from the OG, like there really is only CeeLo left, you know, and those were like I think those were very key important people, you know, on that team, yeah. and it's just the dynamic is so much different. I think it's very much more professional. Um, and if I'm being honest, like I, I, I decided not to, uh, decided I was going to go with Kawasaki and I was nervous, dude. I, I, first of all, I've never switched teams. I've never worked with different Mm. people. I'm a creature of habit. Like I really enjoy working with the same people and then going to Cowie, like if I'm being honest from the outside looking in, they look very, um, yeah, suit like, you know? They really do. And I was like, I got to give it a shot. You know, like I, I really thought that. And then now that I'm inside of it, dude, they are just, they are so damn cool. Um, from the truck driver, Big B to, you know, Dan to Theo, Rango. Um, dude, they are, they're the coolest cats out there. They keep to themselves, you know, and I, I feel like they're very similar like me to where they don't really say much. No one really knows what goes down, you know, or how they are, but they're cool cats, you know, and I think they're just, Mm. uh, 
similar to me in that sense. And they are down to work hard and, and they really, this is the first time I've really feel like I've been able to use my brain a little bit more as far as, you know, figuring out where I want to ride, how I want to go about the bike and all this stuff. And they still have like their, their window that they work within, but I feel like they've really trusted me as far as like, you know, my, my decisions. And that's yeah something to where I think Husky really wants to make the decisions for you and you to cooperate, which that's how they run it, you know, and it's been proven, you know, they, they have an investment, they pay Alden to train the guys to win championships and that's their business plan. You know, their job is to sell dirt bikes. So I don't believe that there's anything wrong with how Husky's going about it. It just wasn't the key to success for, for me, you know? And I mm. think that I needed to figure out what the next play was. And luckily Cowie had that, that opportunity for me and they've really allowed me to do it how I want to. Obviously, you know, there's, there's rules, you know, it's not like I'm just like able to do just like whatever I want, but it's, uh, it's been cool and a breath of fresh air and something that I was really, really nervous going into just to mm. just hanging out with them. Cause I got to be like, these are people that I met six months ago and I got to be vulnerable with them. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I have no choice but to be. And if you, if you yeah. aren't vulnerable with them, you don't succeed. You know, you can't, you yeah. can't front for that long. So yeah. I think that's a, that's tough. So what's, I guess like to talk on that, like vulnerability, like, I guess, what does that look like for you? Like what's, have you got to be able to be comfortable enough to show? Yeah. I, th I think that when you show up to races, um, I think for me, one of the biggest things that is, is really important as far as, um, racing is I think you got to understand your emotions and you got to embrace all your emotions because no matter how fast you are at the practice track and stuff like that there's a level of pressure and there's a level of um there's a level of anxiety that goes with wanting to succeed um these people wanting you yeah. to succeed and stuff like that so for me i just want to be completely honest with them all the time to tell them where i'm at you know mentally and everything like that like i like will say like whether I'm like super nervous about the night or anything like that. I'm just, I try to be as transparent as possible with every outlook of my life, everything like that, you know, and I slowly let them into, you know, parts of my life that I feel like I don't want to go there and hide everything about myself, you know, like that would just, yeah. it sucks to show up to work and be like, I can't tell you this. I can't tell you that. Like, I, I want them to know, you know, and I feel like that's the only way you build like a really good relationship. And as long as they understand that I have the respect for them to try my hardest, train my hardest, ride my hardest, I feel like you can't go wrong and you cannot be denied success as long as you do all those things with the talent I have yeah yeah i think it's i i personally just like love when you talk about that kind of stuff because dude especially just fucking guys in general like there's just such a weird kind of connotation around just like talking around your emotions and you know like over the last definitely over the last few years i've gotten way more i guess open to that and i fucking end most of my phone calls telling my friends that i love them and mm -hmm. you know i just I, it's funny man like I, I just think that 
as far as you want to take like being a fucking sick cunt you know like being the man you've also you've got to work on the side of yourself that's like that level of soft and kind and generous and forgiving and compassionate and it's like you know to to a frat dude or to like some old guy working a fucking in a mm-hmm. steel steel mine or something that that might sound lame but it's like i really feel like that's the secret to happiness in a way is like to just be open to like it's okay to tell people you love them it's okay to be soft mm-hmm. it's okay to be emotional it's okay to be vulnerable like and then that almost like lets you go and be a fucking savage in a in a sense yeah. uh, i don't know if it, I, if it makes sense but no it does i i think that's um I think a lot of guys hold on to their masculinity way too deep and way too long instead of just letting go and just being like and just kind of being loving I guess you could say you know like for me like dude I tell Tom I love him when I get off the phone with him all the time and he and I know Tom is kind of like that guy who's kind of like still holding on to it and he's like uh uh you You know what i'm saying like and to be honest now it's kind of funny like i know i'm messing with him but like dude me like i really deep down like i know on the track people are probably like oh he's an asshole and stuff like that i really try to make the best decisions like sometimes whenever stuff happens like i'm just like i'm i'm just too eager you know and i'm trying my hardest to be better and stuff like that and they see me out there like this guy's probably a dick and i and if i'm being honest like with my wife, I am a simp, dude. I am through and yeah. through. I love yeah. her, and I am just the cheesiest guy. Um, with my friends, I really f- try and do as much as I can for them, you know. Um, and that's something that I—that masculinity is something that you got to let go at some point. But you know, it's kind of—it's yeah. kind of—it's a—it's uh, something that you got to make the decision with yourself, you know. But uh, I think it's, dude, just let yourself be yourself. And that's the toughest thing to do. As simple as it is, it is really tough. And that's something I've, I've experienced. Yeah, dude. No, I fucking love hearing it, man. Like, it's funny to say that, like, I'm a fucking simp. Because, I mean, that, I think that's, like, the best way to be. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just think that there's something so dope about... I mean, I always want in, like, my chick, I just want to feel like she's way cooler than me. Like, I always, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, that's always, I never want to be the fucking man. I, I never yeah. want to feel like it's all about me or it's all on me. It's like, I want to feel, I just want to, like, look up to my chick. I want to be like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, dude, you're so much fucking doper than I am. Like, I, I don't know why that feels good, but yeah. I just... That feels like a, a way better balance to have in a relationship than just like always trying to be the man. But then there'll be a yeah. point where it's like, you've got to fucking be the man and there's times, but to live in that constantly, it's just tiring, dude. And it's unproductive. It really is. And that's that's a tough thing for me, you know, right now is like for, for her, I have to spend all weekend and all the attentions on me and she kind of has to deal with that and she... she awesome about it so I like I'm like she's so cool and everything like that so I just I gotta you know give her the same respect and stuff like that so it's it's tough but yeah I think it's um I really enjoy that that part you know and um that's you know I think it's been a blessing to me I think it's uh my friends have been a blessing to me so I'm just trying to be 
as tough as, as it is, just be as honest with myself as I, as I can be, you know? And that's mm. what, like, I think with like Cowie and stuff like that, taking it back to racing, I think that whole aspect and being honest with them, you know, and letting them know your intentions and allowing them to believe your intentions. Cause you know how many dudes probably go into that Cowie office and they're like, I will win you a championship, you know? Yeah. And I just, I really just wanted to let them know that, I will try my best and I believe that I will have the opportunity to win a championship again, you know, but my track record the last year has not been that good. You know, I I got some podiums, but like, that's about all like I could, I could chalk it up, but yeah, I'm just trying to be very honest with them. And I think they've really, um, enjoyed that. And I, I, uh, it's, it's, it's cool and it makes it easier, you know, the more yeah. honest with you, you are with yourself and everything like that. And like this, this weekend didn't go that good. And I was like, I was, I was like trying so hard not to be mad or frustrated on like Sunday. And Kenzie was just like, yo dude, you can be mad or frustrated. That's cool. Like, it's just like, yeah. you can be whatever. You don't have to like front, like just be what you are. And that's, that's what I was because I put my heart into it and it doesn't go well. But um, I know if I keep trying and I keep being honest with myself that you can't really um, deny that. And that's 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 the cool thing about being 29, turning 30 and racing dirt bikes and and learning more about yourself. You know, I don't even think it's necessarily about the dirt bikes and stuff like that. I think it goes deeper than that sometimes for a lot of these guys, you know. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, the the wife thing dropping that on the podium, I don't think anyone really saw that coming. I know there was, uh, I yeah. got like a lot of DMs and comments and stuff about it. I guess, uh, do you want to speak on that whole deal? Oh, yeah. I, I was like, I was so pumped. I, and I was like, I'm in love. So I was like, and then one morning I was like, I don't know, maybe like November. I was like, we woke up on Sunday and I was like, I was like, do you want to get married? And, and we just fucking sent it to Vegas and we like went to Chili's, had some drinks and then just got married. And then, yeah. And I, I loved every bit of it. And yeah, she's a shit. That's fucking so dope, dude. Yeah. So it's been, it's cool. Yeah. And, and so I guess, does that feel like a, I don't know, like a little bit of a piece of the, the puzzle that's kind of like in place in a way, like, was it something that you were like trying to do or just like, it was just like the right thing to do? If I'm being honest, I'm, I'm 29, you know, and this is, you know, I, you know, I, I want a family, you know, like it's, I think a lot of like guys do, even if they're old and they're still, you know, single or whatever. And it was a goal, but I was never in a hurry to rush it by any means. Um, I was never like, I need to like do Tom, Tom, Tom cracks me up because he's like, what did he tell me one time? He's like, I'm going to be 25. I'm going to be married with a kid. And I'm like, dude, 25's coming up. You better hurry up. And I never, I never put that pressure on myself. I was always just like it. I wanted it to come as a surprise. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I feel like it really did come as a surprise and, uh, being able to, uh, and to have her on the same page as well, you know, like, dude, mm. To be honest, she's awesome. She's got so much going for her past even what I have. She doesn't care about me for whatever. Dude, sometimes it's 
it's just funny how she even sees racing, you know? And, uh, yeah. yeah. And when I was like, uh, that when I woke up and she was like down to do it and I was like, it never felt weird or anything like that. I was like, yeah, let's, let's fucking, let's go. Dude, that's so sick. I think, I, I don't know whether it's, I guess, yeah, maybe in like racing or whatever. It's like, I don't know. It seems like the, it's probably part of like that macho thing, but it's not like, <laughs> that many dudes are in a in a rush to go out and get married or like even admit that they're fully in love with the chick and then this is the chick they want to be with you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. like i don't know it's just the way that you've gone about it it doesn't seem like even the the norm and maybe that comes back to what we were talking to a little bit about you know guys just want to kind of keep up that masculine big dick energy all the time yeah yeah it's uh it's not the move i believe it's not the move but um i understand how it's easy to get caught up in that too a little bit you mm-hmm. know um but yeah uh, the it's I, I enjoy the way i go about things and i would recommend it so yeah. um maybe maybe other people that watch this can be like yeah i'm gonna try that <laughs> yeah it's cool to be a simp <laughs> yeah it is it is it is <laughs> uh sure. so with the you talked about the struggles of the last like couple years uh, mm-hmm. what, what was that? Like a lot of people, cause okay, this is the narrative. Oh, he just fucking left Alden, bro. Of course he's going to suck. It's like, he's not training yeah. anymore. So like, I guess like, what was it? And I think the team stuff probably had like a, a bit to do with it. Like kind of like that getting more fragmented, but I guess like, yeah. What was the, the reasons behind the struggles in your eyes those last couple years? Um, wait, am I too far from the mic? Just pull it. Um, for me, I feel like in 2018, I like I won that championship, and it's it's not like you could end it, you know. <laughs> like that was my yeah. it all like end all goal, you know. And when I did it, I woke up the next morning and I was like, I don't feel any different, you know. I don't really like. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was maybe going to make me want to be like kind of like a savage and work hard and just do it over and over and over again. And it never really made me feel that way. It just felt like another day. And the tough part about that was, is I expected it to be so much more, you know, and mm-hmm. that was something that like, it took me a while to come to terms with and try and figure out what I really wanted to do, you know? And mm. I think working with Alden and stuff like that, that type of environment, it was tough for me to figure out what I wanted to do while being there, you know? Um, mm. And I come to find out I really enjoy racing dirt bikes and I really enjoy trying to be my best. But for a while there, I did not like the attention. It's like, and everyone is just like, going into the next year, they wanted you to do good. And all these sponsors want you to do all this stuff. Like, dude, it was just like, I, nothing against like my sponsors and stuff, but I like more of a mellow setting, you know, I just enjoy that a little bit more. And I told Bobby, I'm like, dude, you guys are putting too much on me when I already got enough going on in my head to try and recover and comprehend what this whole Mm. last year was and then move on to this new year and try and be just as good or better than I was the year before. And I told him, I'm like, if you guys keep 
pushing, it's going to be tough for me. You know, it, it's just making it tougher, you know, all these obligations and stuff. And I remember going to Anaheim one and they were like, like, we need to do the championship ring presentation. You're the past champion. You got to do this. And Feld was doing all this shit. And I was just like, oh, bro, I have to race today. And you guys are making me do all this stuff. You know, I have the number one plate and all this stuff. And I was like, I told Bobby it was just too much for me. It was it was literally too much, and I wanted to do anything I could, anything. Like, I'm telling you, I was desperate to do anything I could to get the spotlight off me, and that was really, really tough for me, and so I did anything I could. I got the whole shot and went back to 18th. Mm. Didn't fall. Really? And like, so, like, you... So, like, was there, like, a purposeful almost like sabotaging your results in a way so that people like wouldn't talk oh, about you more 100 really yeah i just was like i don't give a fuck right now like i re- i really just felt that way and then oh it was a terrible next week between me and bob jesus but then the next weekend i almost won baggett past me and then i broke my arm and i was like I hate to say this, but like the truth is, is that I'm thankful that I got hurt, you know, just because I needed that, I needed that time to really be kind of cool with it. And then we moved on and I had the best outdoor season I've ever had. You know, I got third in points and I got a bunch of podiums and, and stuff like that. And then moving into the next Supercross season, um, just still wasn't it just in within the team and everything like that all the stuff Bobby was dealing with and stuff I I didn't want to go back to Alden's I didn't want to do any of that I wanted to work hard I wanted to do my thing but I just needed a change of pace and I really needed it at that point to be successful that year and I just I was in in limbo because husky we had such a a long agreement you know so it was tough for Mm. me and i i did put my best foot forward and i showed up every day and i tried my hardest but mentally i just don't think i was there you know and i Mm. and even going into this year i was like is this move really going to make the difference for me to you know um want to put my heart into it and the it was refreshing and right now i feel like i'm in a better spot than i've ever been and and it's cool, you know, and, but the, the tough part is, is, um, Husky is good enough to win championships. You know, they are the gr- a great mm. team. They got a good bike and there's nothing against them. It was all, it was all on mm. me. Um, but I, I tried my best and, and I just wasn't that good in, in that environment. I just really wasn't. Yeah. And, but I did give it my all all the way to the end. And I was really bummed last year that I wasn't able to get a good outdoor season with them and, and give them my all. And I got hurt and kind of all she wrote. And now we're on to a new chapter and we're moving on. Man, I think, uh, I think probably like to just go back, like the root of the, of the problem is probably a lack of perspective that I guess you just, I guess you don't know, like maybe you can be told this, but uh, the fact that yeah you wake up in the morning and you feel like it's going to be different than what it is like there's some kind of expectation and the emptiness that you could feel from that and I've spoken to so many people that have had that exact same feeling it's almost like mm-hmm. one of the evils of sport is that you think that there's like this holy grail there's like something to be attained 
when you win mm-hmm. something like that and you've spent your whole life doing it and it's sort of almost like now you've got this perspective of like well just racing my dirt bike like that's the goal and it's like you know there's you can look through buddhism and stoic philosophy and you can look through all of these kind of like ancient thought mm-hmm. processes and it's basically they all point to like there's no such thing as the destination there's just only the path or there's only the process yeah. and it's like when mm-hmm. you love the process then you know winning the championship doesn't become this thing that you like obviously you care about it but it's almost just like another part of the process and i think that you yeah. know when you kind of to wake up in the morning and to feel like winning a championship the thing that you've done like spent your whole life trying to do didn't really mm-hmm. give you any extra fulfillment like that's such a kick in the guts yeah like it's um yeah it, it's tough because like if i'm uh, real realistically like i've resented that whole championship to to this point because that because of that feeling the day after you know it's mm-hmm. like something that i really i i believe that i would have more wins and more podiums if i would if i wouldn't have won it right now 100 percent, just because i've resented it that much that it wanted me to be so far away from it and mm. i finally have come to terms with it you know and i i feel back in the position to be able to do it and it took longer than I expected and I'm thankful that I'm still able to make it to the other side of it. But to this day, I have no idea where my, my championship gear is. I have no idea where my championship number one plate is. I have no idea where my championship trophy is. I literally just like telling people they could have it. Damn, I know I have no idea where crazy. any of that stuff is. Yeah. Do you but know other guys just, that are going through that? Nah, I I don't I don't know, dude. To be honest, you walk into all these other guys' homes, and I feel like it's a museum of their yeah, achievements, it's a, it's and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and mine is definitely not that, but it's uh, it's the uh, I've upgraded from the TV with the cardboard box, you know, so it's on the okay. wall now. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there's some trophies around, but nothing too crazy or anything. But I don't know any guys that are like that, you know. Um, I know a lot of guys like their stuff and things like that, but um, I don't know anyone that has really felt like they've resented it like I have, but um, it's, I'm over it now and I'm, I've, I'm really proud of myself for that championship, you know, Um, but Mm. right now I, I've, I want to make it sweeter by, by making some more runs at some more championships and dude, I I feel like the next one you get will, will feel so good. Yeah, I'm really hoping to get another one and I know I'm going to put everything I can into it and it's tough, but I feel like I, it's my first year on this bike and I feel like I can only get better the more I learn it and stuff like that. So that's, uh, you know, I'm going to try my best. Yeah. So at this point, like, do you feel like you're just out of this championship now? Like to talk about 2022? Uh, Yeah. I feel like these last three weekends have been a shit show for me, um, <laughs> to say the least. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough pill to swallow. But I I at the same time I don't think that there is any um, let up from my side as as far as not being in it because I think the only thing I can do right now is improve myself and make myself better um, for the upcoming years. You know. So I don't think that um, 
for me, I need to let up at all. I need to just try my hardest, just like I would if I was in the championship position and just keep building my base and building my speed and learning the bike and learning the process with the team. And, and just so I could be ready for the upcoming years, you know, even outdoors. Um, I think I got a lot to prove as far as my talent in outdoors. Cause everyone, um, I, I mean, I haven't won an outdoor I've gotten like 20, 30 plus podiums, but never won an, won an outdoor. So I think that's a big thing I want to get off my bucket list. I want to be good in outdoors all the way to the end. And I want to regroup and see what it go back to the drawing board for next year's supercross. But, um, I mean, anything can happen, but it had to be pretty catastrophic on Tomac's side for him to mess this thing yeah. up. But, Cortez uh, would have to get hit by an asteroid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe Putin's coming after Cortez, Colorado next. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, gnarly fucking year. The championship was. I think it's it's a for me. It's a bummer that I mean. There's a lot of there's just a lot of like aggression. It seems like this year. Like I don't know that I've ever seen this many takeouts and this many guys hit the ground and then there's also the crashes which i want to talk probably about next but it's like takeouts have cost us the championship essentially this year from my side you know like eli clean as a whistle like hasn't even been touched i feel like this whole year and at daytona Mm -hmm. when you come up the inside on that first second turn i guess you'd call it you actually didn't even touch tomac so like he's squeaky Uh -uh. clean and leading Mm -hmm. the championship and you've been hit and taken out and taken down and taken riders down. Like it's just been kind of like chaos for everyone, but Tomac. And it seems like that has decided the championship. And I mean, it goes back to Anaheim one you're in third, Bush cleans you out. You get, you're like not in third anymore. Uh, and then yeah. it sort of just goes on from there. Then you got like the Malcolm stuff, Barsha again. So it's like, I don't know, like where, how do you feel about just that whole vibe of like how shit is playing out at the moment? Because it's for me as a fan, I feel a little bit ripped off that I'm not getting to see the two best guys battle in the championship. Like, yeah, you're still battling every weekend or whatever, but it's almost mm-hmm. just like we've kind of just been robbed of the championship because of guys hitting each other on the track yeah it's a it's a tough pill to swallow and I think on all ends you know I think that there's one thing this year is there's there's a lot of team changes you know and I feel like um like let's say like Malcolm I think that he is working at Alden's and he's working harder than he's probably feels like he's ever worked so he feels like he has a lot to prove you know so just with him, there's a, there's, I think there's a lot of aggression just in his riding and his mentality. Like he really feels like he's deserved those spots, which makes it way tougher to yeah. race him. Cause I don't feel like he's ever been in the position. I, I, may, I may be like saying this, but like, I don't feel like he's ever felt like he's been in the position to be on a team that signed him for two years. And I feel like yeah. he's working really hard and he wants to be proven, you know? So that's yeah. the aggression from, from his end, you know, um, from my end, I want to be better, you know? Um, and I, and if I'm being honest, like a lot of things that I've done, I feel like I'm just really too eager it's the truth and it's something that I need to work on, but it's just not like 
not like I mean anything by it, but it's just tough, you know? And then with Barsha, Barsha's just Barsha, dude. Like he really is just, he's the the fucking wild card of the class. You never know what you're going to (laughs) get. Um, and then it's tough too. And then now like, it's just, it's, it's a kind of a shit show and, and it's, but I think it'll calm down. I think once all this wears off, it's like, it's been three weekends in a row of craziness and dude we just need two calm weekends no matter what and just it'll let all the bs just calm down you know and we'll see we'll see how it is but it does suck it does suck that the championship has played out and and realistically it would have been cool if there was even more guys in the championship you know it's and i think if i'm being honest if eli had me on his butt you know like points wise and he still won the championship by three points i'd have made it way sweeter than it would be winning by as big of a margin as he is and i always say this that like the competition is awesome you know if it wasn't for you know malcolm eli all these guys it wouldn't make my wins as special you know they need Mm. to be there like eli like me and Kenny battling at Oakland and me winning that, that made that win more special. If I would have just been by myself and won Oakland that year, it would have been boring, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a cool thing that, that, uh, I understand, but I, I, I think it's, uh, I hope that we're able to figure out this whole aggression thing, you know, and it's coming yeah. to my end too. So, um, so we could all be racing really well, but we all just want it. This, this aggression just shows, how much we want it you know and it's just it's just some egos out there and they they fucking want to make that money (laughs) and get on that podium baby yeah Uh, and it makes the sport so great that we can do it and guys can kind of get into it but it is kind of getting to the point where it's like it's i just think that this year in particular with like everything from literally from a1 to now i mean the, the you and Kenny at Anaheim, uh, was it Anaheim too when you took Kenny down? Yes, uh, in mm-hmm. the sand. Was, yeah, that's racing. Like I that that's not a that's not like I don't think that's like a bad deal at all. And I mean I love Kenny, but that one to mm-hmm. me it's like that. I I posted on uh, I think I commented on uh, Daniel Blair's main event moto thing. He like basically mm-hmm. this whole year every race is like people post the fucking takeout and it's like yeah. just the comment yeah. section goes wild but i i wrote uh when the inside line funnels to the outside don't be on the outside like yeah. that's basic like that's the that's the, the quick maths of that whole deal you know the tough part about that one was is like i went to the inside and i know i think it was shane McElrath. he went to the inside like the lap before and it hooked back and then when i went to it it just went straight to him just went straight like oh it just went straight and by the time i was in i was already going fast enough and like yeah my i just wanted to pass him you know i just wanted to pass him and i was too eager and i was coming in too fast and my intentions weren't to be as what it was but then once the line went there i mean i i I brace for impact. I tell you that much, you know, but it's not like, I, it's not like that's what I, I wish people were in my helmet. Cause people love to talk shit, but I'm like, I'm like, I wish you saw the plan in my head. It looks like the, uh, Alan off the hangover, <laughs> yeah. like counting cards and shit like that. I'm like, uh, and obviously that, that, uh, didn't work, but yeah. And the shitty part is, is I know Kenny would never race any of us like that, you know? 
So, uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's tough, too. And then, like, the AMA is trying to make, you know, like, trying to help out with this. And they're like, we don't want Dirty Ryan or boys. anything anymore. Yeah. And the thing that tricks me is, like, they're like, okay, for, they said first offense, they gave everyone a warning in Oakland. And then they're like, everyone gets six months probation for their first move now. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm on six months probation. Um, uh, so what happened is they gave everyone the, the warning in, in Oakland, the next round was San Diego. Me and Kenny came together in San Diego and I'm like, if you guys are really following the rules, you'd have put me on probation right there. You know, yeah. you really would have, yeah. you know, it's, it, it is what it is. I'm like, treat me the same and be like equal with your rules. And then we go to uh, Anaheim too, and that's the first time I get six. I should have already been on six months probation off the first one. <laughs> and then we go, we go to, um, we go to Daytona, and that was when the Mookie thing happened at Daytona. And um, basically, he just got docked for the off the track thing. You know, he got docked one position for going off the track, but no six month probation. And I'm like. Well, that's so he weird. did get you know, docked like, because he like cut the track to hit you. He got docked one position, and then when he hit me in that corner, he didn't get six months probation. So they're like, mm. they're like, well, they said that the intent wasn't bad, which nothing. This has nothing to do with Mookie. This is all AMA, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we show up this weekend, and you know, the thing with me and Barsha happened, and they're like, we want to stop dirty riding. And they're like, we dock him three points and um, three points and a $3,000 fine. And I'm like, but he keeps his podium, which is completely fine with me. Like, dude, if I'm Barsha, that was a fucking money move, you know? And yeah, yeah. It really was. And I'm like, nowadays, I hate to, I told them, I'm like, I hate to be this way, but I know a lot of guys are going to think about it. But now you're putting a price on what the move is going to cost you, you know? Exactly. I, would, I feel like if I went to Seattle and I thought about this, I'm like, if I went to Seattle and there was someone in front of me for the for the Podium race spot. win and I yeah. just hit him, I'd be like, I'd hop on the podium. I'm like, I'll take my three points and my $3,000 thing my because three I cashed that book. I'll cash my bonus yep. check with Cowie because I'm keeping this podium. And that's like they're putting like a price on it, you know? And I'm like, yeah. you guys are just making this whole problem worse. You're changing the way we're thinking, you know? And yeah. I don't, I don't, like, I'm not going to go this weekend and try and retaliate against Barsha. I'm not going to go and try and do anything. I'm just going to race to be the best I can. And I hope that the other guys are doing the same because the AMA really is doing. They are putting prices on, you know, like, okay, a clean out costs you this much. A clean out costs you this much, you know? And that's, yeah, yeah. I feel a failure in the, in the eyes of an organization. Yeah. No, I, 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 I completely know. agree, man. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree, dude. It's like, oh, I'm going to, yeah, 3%. I'll, I'll pay out 3% of my bonus for a clean out. Fuck, yeah. easy money, baby. That's just like the cost of doing yeah. business. Yeah, and and the tough part is like right now, like with all this stuff that happened, I'm out of the championship. Barsh is out of the championship. Like all of us are some like somewhat out of the championship, and um, for us, like we don't get I like second and third does not matter to us as far as points go. No. Now it's podiums, you know. So 
if it was points at like round one, oh, you guarantee we care. But right now at the point yeah. we are in the season, do we really care? Like, yeah, I want to get second place in the championship just for like maybe a little bit of bragging rights. I don't know. I, I don't even know if I get a bonus for second, maybe from the AMA. But the realistically, like I want race wins and I want podiums, you know, and yeah. now they're putting a price on it and they're like three points like that's going to like it, it for me. I just want to race and I want to race. But like for some guys, I'm yeah. sure they're like three points. I like watch out and uh yeah. so it's 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 a completely weird way that I think they're going about um this whole thing because I don't think it's gonna I think they're making it worse yeah yeah man I didn't know that yeah I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it like that but I mean yeah you just literally look and you're like it's just part of your expenses you pay your fucking rental car you pay your hotel you pay your three thousand mm-hmm. dollar fine and then make a bit of extra cash on, on the podium you know and i mean it is crazy dude like Bosch's a1 move that cost you some cash uh-huh. this move on the weekend cost you some cat like all of this it's like it's legit money that's getting thrown down yeah dude i have not been playing it right i've been losing some cash left and right <laughs> but it is what it is we'll bounce back and and i'll try my best what do you think does fix fix the problem and like i mean yeah because it's sort of yeah like i guess like i said it, it's cost the fans it's cost you guys it just i just don't really remember a season where the the on-track confrontations have just like had this much of a global impact yeah the shitty part is is i feel like i don't know what changes it you know there's 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 a certain thing that is tough because the manufacturers are what run this sport. Like if it was like huge sponsors running this sport, it would be something different. But these results, the manufacturers are win on Saturday, sell on Monday, you know, and that's their marketing strategy. So if you start taking away like podiums and stuff like that, the manufacturers are not going to be happy. And nowadays, I think you have another competition coming in with the FIM world thing, you know, to where it's going to mix it up a little bit, too. So I feel like I I don't really know what the answer is. I don't think you want to make the manufacturers too mad. And then Mm. with like losing their marketing and and all that stuff, I don't know, because like I'm sure they were told that thing and, and I'm sure Gas Gas is not happy about it. I don't. To be honest, to me, I don't really care. I, all I really cared about was my race, and it didn't go well. But that is what it is, and and I don't, it, I don't really give a shit. Um, mm. But um, I mean, I give a shit, but I don't give a shit if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't know what the answer is. I think the biggest answer would be is they got to figure out a way to do it without making the, making us understand it without um making too much of a penalty like if the penalty is really mm. fucking huge yeah the, it'll make people think twice if they're like yeah this is gonna cost you we're gonna find you what your bonus was oh mm. yeah you definitely would be thinking twice about that but i i don't want that they don't want that you know so i don't know mm. what the exact answer is 
And to be honest, I work on my off season from October to December to be ready for the season. Fucking AMA needs a whiteboard in their office working from October to December, figuring out this whole problem that they have right now. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yo, yeah. go back to Ohio and figure job. this shit out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, yeah, that, that, I don't that's know. a good point, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's there's a there's a part of it, too, where like I just I don't think the AMA ever really gets it right. Like I've ne- there's not that many times that I'm like, bravo. Like another yeah. another thing was like the uh, like McAdoo's red flag thing. Like I spoke a bunch about it um, where McAdoo crashes is like for me, he says he wasn't knocked out. I love Cameron. He's a fucking man. <laughs> nothing against him he was knocked out when he hit that fucking thing his body went limp it is what it is uh and it's like he could fucking get up and race and then we see the most heroic comeback of all time like that race was phenomenal what a g hands down should he have been able to do that fuck no that doesn't make any sense so no. like you get a you get a terrible start so you're in a 450 main event there's two rounds to go on the championship it's you and eli you're separated by three points you get a terrible start crash in the whoops lay in the middle of the whoops yeah just end up just a little endo lay underneath your bike for a minute fucking be unresponsive for like 40 seconds they wave out the red flag then you get up dust yourself off go back to the fucking start line whole shot win the race like that and it's like okay it can sound like i'm being dramatic and crazy but that mm-hmm. situation could happen you could do that and within the rules you can do that so it's like i'm just a dickhead sitting in australia and that to me i'm like this seems like a problem that like this is like a hole that could be kind of plugged you know so it's like and then the lappers thing it's like we saw so much drama with lappers last year what the fuck is different in 2022 to 2021 with lappers? Nothing. Where's the upgrades? Yeah. Where's the year-on-year improvement? So, like, from where I'm sitting, the AMA doesn't do fuck all. Fell doesn't do fuck all as a promotion to, like, year-on-year year make these changes, get things incrementally better. I mean, you look at F1, dude, like, rule changes and regulation changes, they're like the lifeblood of the sport, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what... Like, no matter what, like, we have to deal with the AMA, and that that is what it is. And as much as I don't agree with them, I don't really... It's hard for me, because, like, like, I don't want to be a shit talker and always, you know, say this stuff. But I think that they need to figure something out a little bit, you know, because I think when it comes to, like, say, F1... They're so quick on it that you know exactly what penalty you're getting as soon as you pull off that track. Appeal it, that's fine. But like this penalty after the six-month probation, I've been asking what the penalty is because I was just really, really curious. And it took until it finally happened for them to decide on what the penalty is. But I think that's stuff that should be upgraded in the rule book, you know, that like you, you should know exactly what you're going to get as soon as you're off the track, you know, whether it's a huge yeah. fine or, or something like that. And I think that improvements need to be made because, um, with everything evolving, bikes evolve, everything needs to evolve like everything, yeah. you know, and that's just yeah. how it is, you know? And I understand that like, it's tough because especially like when you take people out or like when people are, 
there's ones that like the intent is malicious and then there's ones where the intent is like it's completely just, just rushed. Yeah. It's just racing. Yeah. So, and that's hard in our sport to, you know, figure that out, you know, and you got hard and those guys are that hard yeah, and expert. AMA that's done it. AMA is never, AMA is never going to win. Um, the guys that are there are gonna, they're always going to get, shit talked on by the fan of the person who takes the penalty um yeah. and as far as like determining that there needs to be a guy there that is just the answer that's just what it is whatever he yeah. says goes you race know control. and just yeah just race control like yo you cannot like you can appeal it and then they'll look into it a little bit more in depth but like i feel like what they need a guy who is just like yep this is what it is yeah. And right now I feel like it's like a bunch of people, you know, mm. and I, and it's, it's always up for, um, like, like interpretation kind of, yeah, yes. Yeah. And I just think that there needs to be one hard ass there really does. And I think that that hard ass can't be friends with anyone in the industry. It can't be friends with riders. Cause as soon as you're broing down with someone that really changes your outlook on the whole situation, it needs to be yeah. someone that is just comes in and they just need to be like, like you don't talk to them. Like re realistically, you can't have like a relationship with them because as soon that does, I hate to say it, but like humans, Fucking if they develop a relationship with, develop a relationship with someone, it changes their opinion on the outlook of certain situations you see it from a different side so you need to have someone in there that is just like just like fuck all you guys i don't like any of you yeah. i make the decision and this is how it is you know it should be johnny and Hopper. that's oh johnny hopper's the shit tom followed it <laughs> Dude. He accepted his follower <laughs> Oh, that's so dope. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but dude, I th I think you're so right. It's funny too, the the bias thing. We were doing Super Companion. It was actually, I, this is like one of the few things that I like when I was on Super Companion where actually we made a social clip of it and I was like, I oh, don't share that. I'm a f I fucking suck. But when, when Mookie took you out, <laughs> Daytona, I literally just sat and I was like, what a fucking dickhead. Like five yeah. times in a row. And then the boys made a social clip. I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But like, yeah. then I had, pe I had people in the, the chat being like, fucking so biased towards Jason Anderson this whole show. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, like that, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, he's, everyone, like yeah. he's our friend, you know? And mm -hmm. it's like, Mookie as well. Like I've spent so much fucking time with him. I was just like, it was one of those things where it's like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Like I'm just really disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> He's still my friend, but, but I'm just really bummed it, on you guys. Yeah, but the bias thing, like it does change your opinion. Like I, it does, I, man. All those guys at AMA are cool, but like I'm like, I don't. We shouldn't be friends or anything like that. You know, I don't think they should be friends <laughs> with anyone. Like it's just the yeah. truth. But it's like, it's like you see all those guys at AMA and like how 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 would it be like going to the races like. I feel like somewhat you got to love your job. How would it be going yeah. to the races and being like, I can't fucking talk to anyone. God damn it. What if you like someone, you know, and it's hard, like, but that's a job that someone needs to do, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Another little 2022 topic I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on. Why the fuck is everyone crashing? Like, what do you mean? Everyone's like, crashing. crashing? everyone literally everyone yeah. i mean eli's not crashing but like 
everyone is having these crashes like dude so the other day dean posted uh i can't remember the round but he posted dude, dean's had some going big through the ones whoops. this year dude he was going through the whoops textbook there was no problem there bike fucking sideways cartwheels there's so many mm-hmm. crashes that have happened this year where i'm just like what happened like why man like that especially dean's like when dean crashed in the whoops he shouldn't have crashed there there's nothing he did wrong as a rider that would make him crash and then that that really made me like i guess worried in a way because it's like man you can be doing everything right in 2022 it seems like and then just have an absolute massive one and i mean even like you losing the front uh at detroit i think it was yeah like you had Mm -hmm. that that slap down it's just like is there is there something going on to where like the tracks are being built differently maybe the dirt's different like than years past because i don't remember seeing a year where there's been this many crashes from the best dudes like not lappers not dudes in the lcqs like the best dudes are fucking cartwheeling i think the whoops this year in 2022 are bigger than they've ever been and not really? only are they bigger, they're holding they're holding up. Like usually they break down in their jumpers, but like the whoops this year are probably some of the gnarliest whoops I've seen in many years. Um and then sometimes like I think that we're pushing ourselves to the limits so much, mm. you know, that even the littlest thing, but there's been a lot of shit go down this year. There really has. You know, I mean, dude, I've actually had some decent crashes. Like Phoenix, I jumped off the track into the tough blocks, you know, like we're just pushing the limit and it's tough. And I don't think that I I was thinking about this because like when I started racing professionally, I would go to the races and I'd be like, dude, the transitions are so steep and they just like they don't flow. But like now I'm like, if those transitions flowed on a 450, you're just jumping the whole section. Yeah, and if there was a mistake jumping the whole section, you're dead, you know? So, like, now I'm like, yeah, I'm like, pro, keep transitions shitty, make us, like, fucking go slower and, like, think about shit a little bit more, you know? And that's that's one thing, like, I think I'm like, dude, if some of these transitions were, like, smooth and shit like that, we'd be fucking jumping 80 feet out of a corner, you know? So, it's it's tough to figure out how to make it safer, but it's, I mean, dude, we're just pushing it so hard, you know? I mean, nowadays mm. a simple a quad, that's just like, that's part of the program. That's just what you got to <laughs> do. If someone hits it. All right. But how do they hit it? They hit like what? 76.3% throttle. All right. I'll try and mimic that. Hopefully I don't OJ it yeah. or case it, you know? And it's just the window of error is getting smaller because of how mm. big everything's going. And then not only are you doing the jumps and have to hit the jumps big enough, dude, this, these tracks break down and they're rutted. Like last weekend, I think we mm. did 28 laps at Indy. If you looked at the triple, the last lap, Oh, it was insane. And I don't know how they keep up yeah. with that. The stadiums are too yeah. small now. They really are. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, and I think do in the two-stroke think... days... Go oh, for sorry, it. keep going. No, no, you go. I was going to say, I think, in, I think in the two-stroke days that it wasn't such a big thing because I don't think that the two-strokes like 
had that much torque, so the track didn't get broken down as much. And 450s just have thrown a curveball since they came, you know, since since 05 or whatever, whenever they started 04. Um, I think they've thrown a curveball at the, at the tracks. They really have because they just tear those tracks apart. We'd be hitting concrete mm. and plywood every weekend. Mm. Do, do you think that the so. 450s are just too fast now? Like it's just too much bike for those stadiums? I think the 450s have gotten a lot safer. I thought I think that um, at one point in early 450 era, I think that they were uh, almost too fast and the frames weren't ready, or like just like the suspension and everything. I think it was so new and people were so used to riding a two-stroke and holding it wide open that now in the era we're in, I think a lot of us grew up on four-strokes and stuff like that. That we kind of Mm. understand it a little bit more Um, and. I don't I don't think so. I just think that there it's just the sport progressed and I think that the tracks are too small. I don't think the 450s are too fast or anything, but it's just mm. the flo- the track needs to be bigger and it needs to progress, but you can't rebuild stadiums just for supercross, you know. Mm. So like I yeah, think that true. they did with the with the with the time thing they did it so that they didn't have to worry about like we haven't seen any walls or anything recently because i think those used to be built to slow the track down when you used to do like 20 laps but i think it's uh yeah i don't know there's a lot of things i don't think anyone knows the answer to yeah 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 because i mean it just it's just gotten gnarly and i mean a3 to me was one of the gnarliest supercross races i've ever watched because I was yeah. looking at, I was looking at you going through those whoops. I think there was maybe like a five lap period, probably from lap like five to ten in that main event, where you went in there and it was like <laughs> you were just fucking rolling, rolling the dice, and then Eli yes. was like <laughs> rolling the dice, and then there was a point where it lasted like five laps, and you looked like you were going to fucking die for five laps in a row and then it looked like Eli was going to die for about four laps in a row and then Eli finally said nah man I'll get second tonight you win tonight because that's it like I just ain't doing this shit anymore and I just uh, that was one of the the races where I just was kind of like flabbergasted and like my respect I guess like the the obvious level that the sport has reached was on display that night with you two guys. And it was just like mm-hmm. your commitment to go through those whoops for that main event to break down Eli to then get that win. That to me encapsulated that. And and when, to change gears a little bit, but like to see Roxon pull out of the series, I'm like, dude, A3, look at A3. That's what you have to do to win. Kenny got out front at Anaheim 1, kind of rode his own race, Chase crashed, track wasn't super gnarly, and he got the win. On a night like A3, I don't know that the Ken Roxon that exists as a person is willing to do what Jason Anderson did at A3 mm-hmm. through those whoops. You know, Eli Tomac wasn't willing to do what Jason Anderson was willing to do. So it's like to see it almost even looks to me like it's gotten so gnarly that you're seeing a guy like Ken Rocks and be like, nah, I just, I'm not prepared to fucking do this anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, it's commitment. It really is because every time I went into those whoops, like it was, it was nerve wracking because I got to the point at the end, like I was like still like just you don't try and hit them fast. You just try and hit them. It's like survival. <laughs> and I knew yeah. Eli was hitting them good in the beginning. And then once it got towards the end, I made a mistake one time, but he also made a mistake like the same lap. And dude, pff, those things ate people up. Look at the 250 main, look at Hunter, look at, and you, the crazy part is their last lap was our first lap, you know? Mm. So you got to think it was eating those 250 guys up. We still had 20 minutes. <laughs> on those same loops with no prep so it's it's dude it's ridiculous but i believe that the whoops weren't that unsafe but it allowed a very small window of error you know because i think that each rider can get to the end and if they have a crash it's going to be like slow you know i think whoops the way they have them this year is how they should have them every year in supercross and mm. I think that Eli's been better than me sometimes and stuff like that. But for me, I'm like, like I said, like I want another shot at a championship. And if it takes me being that committed, that's what it takes. And it's tough because you just got to bring it from within you to, to do that. I mean, you talk to yourself in your head the whole time you're in those main events, but that that is what it is. And that's what it takes, you know, and it's, uh, the amount of conversations I have with myself in my head when I'm racing is pretty insane, but that's, uh, when you, uh, when you pull it off, it makes it that much cooler. What, what are the, the thoughts that you've got? Like, are you, are you like talking yourself around the track for those races? Because that, like you said, the level of commitment is just so high. Like it's gotta be a weird feeling to force yourself to do those things. Yeah, it's a a tough thing too is like the way we train and everything like that. We have weekends where we're flat and you know days where you just feel off. You don't even feel like your thoughts are moving as quick as they should be, you know? So sometimes trying to mm. pull the best performance out of yourself cuz we race, you know, 17 weekends with one weekend off. There's no way you could be firing on all cylinders all those weekends. You know, these guys, even if they win, sometimes they may not feel the best and they may not feel like their brain's processing stuff as quick as they should be. But you've mm. got to figure out a way to pull it from within yourself. And um, yeah, it's it's tough. So like talking to yourself, you got to like talk, you got to lie to yourself. You really do. And I know that <laughs> a lot of these guys do it, but you've literally got to lie yourself and talk yourself into telling yourself like, you're fine. Like what? You you woke up tired. Good joke. You are actually have the most energy you've ever had in your life. <laughs> so you play with yourself to that level. Fuck yeah, everyone does. If they don't, they're lying. Which I'm totally cool with it. I'm totally cool with lying to myself a little bit. You know, um, that's the same as like like I said like the other day. Like I didn't have a good weekend and on Sunday I was just like a little upset and I was trying to lie to myself to tell myself I'm happy, you know, but it just, I wasn't. And that's kind of the same process you have on the track. Like I'm tired. What? You're not fucking tired. Don't be a pussy. Come on. You're fine. Like that's what you tell yourself, but it's just, fuck. It's the, it's the, it's the nature of the beast. Yeah, man. I just, that, that, that a three main event to me was really like a, if you want to if you want to ever appreciate supercross and the level mm. that it's got to uh just go and watch that main event and just see there's just a, 
so many layers that you can analyze that race and i mean just like the mm-hmm. you know the the way that you and eli had the battle and then the commitment through the whoops and the way that everyone else was crashing and the just like the level at which like you're either on the front pace or you're so far off the pace it's crazy and it, you know even just the disparity yeah. in between like the best guys yeah it's crazy it, it really is and it's crazy how much you want it. And sometimes I even surprise myself on how much I want it, you know, um, mm. because sometimes like, dude, even at Detroit, like I fell, but I, I tell you, I tried my heart out to get back on my bike and get going. And I just, no matter what, I just couldn't like, and that sucks because yeah. that is the most, that is the biggest moment of like being so desperate that you will do anything, you know? I was I was saying this the other day, like on how desperate you are as a dirt bike racer. I remember when I was flying to Vegas and I was about to win my first Supercross championship. I had to get like 11th. I should have won it the weekend before, but I did my front wheel thing. And <laughs> I was so desperate just to get there and get it over with. I remember like being in the plane and these are thoughts I go through my head. Like everyone has crazy thoughts, but plane had turbulence. And in my head, I'm like, oh fuck like at least let me just get through this weekend and win this championship if my plane goes down just let it happen on the way home you know like i have like those like weird <laughs> like i'm just like i'm so desperate i just want to win this and just get this fucking over with and then if it, anything happens let it happen on sunday you know but those are just things that you think of in your head that it's just like it's just as a thoughts you know that you can't help it's kind of crazy but and it's like it's like you wonder like where that shit comes from you know, you, you yeah. just don't have a you don't have a choice in that at all. Like the uh-huh. you, you don't choose the things that you want at all. You don't. And they and, they, and don't. then they can like you can attach to those things, and they it's like you're just being compelled to do shit. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but it's cool too. And that's one thing I wish like you see all these mini dads and stuff like that. Dude, you how you know nothing you do is going to make your kid win. If your kid wants yeah. it, that's just going to it's just going to happen. There's so much shit he has to go through that like this kid, yeah, he likes dirt bikes now. He hasn't hit puberty. He hasn't discovered girls. Like dude, that will throw a curveball in it. Like he's not going to want to <laughs> hang out with you forever. Like you're his dad yeah. and he loves you right now, but dude, I guarantee you when he turns 14, he's like, oh, "Fuck my dad." You know what I'm saying? Like there it's just yeah, you, you can't control anything. And that's what I think parents, athletes, like me as who I am, you just got to just be like, fuck it. Just go with it. Do what yeah. you want and try your hardest. Yeah. I've been saying uh, recently, actually had I did like a friend's podcast the other day and he just said like words to like, what, what words do you have to live by at the moment? And I've been thinking about it, but I've never like really said it out aloud. But it's like basically just do your best and be super cool when your best isn't good enough. <laughs> because like straight your best up, is yeah. like even when you do your best, bro, like it's not in your control. Your best might just yeah. be worthless in that in that situation. Yeah, it could and be, yeah. And that's cool. Like be okay with that. Dude. I know I've been trying to be better at that. Like sometimes when I'm doing practice at the races, we have like the board where your name pops up if you're like P1 and sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'll do a lap and I'll try my hardest and it, I'm like, oh dude, that was definitely like, like P1. Like that was a good <laughs> lap and it doesn't even go up there. And I'm like, oh, 
I, I got, I can't like, I got to be okay with that, but I'm not okay with it. You know, it's tough <laughs> yeah. sometimes you got to tell yourself you're okay with it, but sometimes you just aren't, but I try and keep it cool when I'm not. Dude, that's fucking funny. Uh, you mentioned that, that world supercross before, uh, I'm yeah. actually, oh, fun fact. I kicked those boys out of the studio right now so that we, <laughs> we could do this. So they're coming <laughs> on on Friday. Uh, but what, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, like going forward? I mean, obviously you love supercross and you've done races that those guys have promoted before. Cause I think yeah. that's like the question mark. Like, I mean, I don't even really know a lot about the series, obviously, they've come out with like the prize money and the team funding and the rider funding and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Just that series in general. And as a guy that's like raced for the, that promotion in a sense. Uh, I think the races they put on are like top notch. They're, they're awesome. Um, I think the hard part is, is as a racer, like we are supposed to race outdoors and supercross and that's 29 races a year. And to add any extra on that is really, really tough on us. Um, like doing like two, like in November is fine, but to be able to start it as soon as outdoors is over, that that's tough. Um, I think it would be so damn cool to travel the world and race supercross. Like there's nothing bad about that, but it's going to be tough. You know, you got to figure out like what the, what the manufacturers think about it. You got to have them on board. Cause if you don't have them on board, they re- they control us. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. can be like, you're not racing that. So that's going to yeah. be their biggest thing, you know? And for us, I love racing. And, and I realistically, I don't do it for the money. But if you're having me race any more weekends than 29 weekends, I better be getting paid those weekends. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate to say that because, like, dude, we don't have very many. I mean, we're like 13 weekends in a row right now. I mean, I'm dragging, you know, Tom, Kenzie, and they're like, I'm dragging them along with me. You know, I can't expect them to do much more than 29 weekends a year, you know. Um, So it's it's tough, you know, and and. If, if it is happening, I mean, I think there is a price tag with it. Like, I, I hate to say that for like, especially the top guys, because there's a lot of pressure on us because we have to do that and we don't really have a break and we have to get right back into preseason testing. And that's a lot yeah. on our mentals, you know, so got to keep the mental straight. And that's going to be a tough thing with yeah. like, you know, organizing that whole series. Um, now, if we didn't race outdoors, then shit sign me up but i love outdoors even though like i haven't done that good in them i think they're they're so core and and uh raw that that's like i like it you know yeah so i mean i guess that's probably that's probably like the play for them is kind of wanting to get people that don't do outdoors and i i think the supercross only things like really kind of gone away the last few years but i mean do you see do you see a point where, I mean, Brayton said it a couple of years ago on the podcast. He's like, they're two different sports, motocross and supercross. Do you see a point where like, we're just going to see the AMA outdoor series become like Europe where it's like a bunch of, uh, you know, American guys that like only do motocross and then they don't do supercross. And then we've just got like these supercross guys that just do these two supercross series. Cause I mean, dude like you've been to those races they're fucking legit like can you imagine like a stadium in like saudi arabia or then like you go to a stadium in japan like 
I want to go to those fucking races. Like, I don't really want to go to Detroit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as, yeah. as terms of, like, racing and, like, I'm going to uh, Le Mans Grand Prix this year and then the Spanish F1. It's like, dude, yeah. I want to experience that shit. Like, the food, the culture, the travel. Like, fucking mm-hmm. sign me all the way up. So, it's like, yeah. I really think there is some, like, crazy advantages and it's something cool about the sport too you know like i we're 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 missing that element of travel i mean i think the gp doesn't do a very good job of promoting that shit either the fact that the boys are like getting to go to these crazy places like you just don't see it it all looks the same but yeah i mean i don't know like i think that there's definitely going to be some appeal based on on that side of things as well I, i i believe that too um it's just tough like it's it's more of a for that thing to be what it is it's a it's a politic thing it is like mm. dude trust me you know how sweet it would be like i've i want to go to japan and i've even talked to kawi because i want to race one of the japanese like nationals and oh, i want to go sick. just check out the factory and stuff over there and that's like that's something that i want to do just to go check it out you know um have you ever been to japan to, before no i have not dude, so i'm excited so to go check it out dope the food yeah, bro so, like you will psych out on the food i know i and dude i'm, I'm excited i hope i hope it, it we're able to pull it off but and then yeah so just being able to do that stuff and travel the world and try different things like dude trust me i want to do that it's just having the mental capacity to be able to be like travel and and drag drag you know everyone with me and stuff like that it's uh man I, I i gotta like make sure it's all it's all good you know and and if if cowie's down i'm down um but fuck it's it's a lot of traveling but damn i better be flying first class i tell you what those pods are kind of nice though you sleeping <laughs> in those pods the business ones or the first one the which everyone lays down into a bed dude i'd be sleeping like <laughs> when i used to go to australia i would sleep the whole time i was like what this is not a flight this is vacation <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm about i'm about to go to europe and i gotta just do full cattle class and like i think my flights it's oh. like singapore is like eight hours and then it's like 15 hours to fucking france or something just like oh fuck my life dude because i definitely I ain't know. flying business on that one it's probably expensive as hell right now too actually it's not really that bad i think it's only like 1500 bucks from oz to go there return so it's not not that bad i don't think the price oh, is kind of like jacked up no nah, no nah, not too bad yet maybe i should fly business <laughs> maybe this podcast does good and we can fly business <laughs> there you go but yeah, I mean, it. I definitely think like there is an appeal to it. Like, who who do you think? Like, who can you see that just races it straight up? Like, who's it for right now in like its first kind of year? Dean and Brayton. Um, I don't really know about like as far as like signing or anything like that. I've heard that Cooper Webb wants to race it. I've heard. I've just that's what I've heard. I have no idea. I don't talk. About yeah. Um. I know. Yeah. I talked to Dean. He's like, yeah, dude, it'd be sweet to be able to do it. But um, that's just what I think. You know. Um. I'd love to race it. I don't know if Cowie's down, and that's, you know, that's the uh, that's the big boss. So. Yeah. But um, yeah. that's what I got. I kind of got to figure out. But that's yeah. not my job. Yeah. I let my. Yeah, well, I mean, I let my agent do all that. 
Yeah, no, that's that's, that's fair. You just got to do you. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm excited. I mean, we we both know like the level of event that they they can put on. So I think that. Yeah, I don't know. It's so hard. I'm so I'm keen to talk to them on Friday just because I, I guess I'll yeah. know more. But I mean, they've got ideas to like pay a bunch of money. It's what 250 grand uh, rider mm-hmm. purse for each event, and then like support for teams and stuff like that. I wonder if like we get into the space where like new teams will kind of you know emerge and come into it. Even like I don't know. There's a it's definitely a, a big a big shake up like. I almost think that the, the American schedule probably just needs to fucking chill by a few races on each schedule to on each series too, you know? Like, I feel like if that happened, again, it's like a business thing. Like, Feld's not going to want to, like, drop off going to a state. Like, there's a lot of money, but, I mean, let's even take away that World Supercross thing. Like, fuck, let's go 10 rounds of outdoors and, like, 12 rounds of Supercross and let's, like, call it good. I don't think anyone gets less of a product you know but obviously like feld and the uh fucking pro motocross they'd get like a tiny bit more money but i feel like just dropping a couple races off at the end of those would just do so much for like just the industry as a whole like truck drivers mechanics rider career like everything yeah and and to the thing is is i i do believe that outdoors is too long um mm. supercross is is dude that 17 rounds is a long series and especially when you're doing multiple series within a year it's tough but um but the thing is is that i think the world supercross wants to go a lot of rounds too like you're coming up soon like they're doing five rounds this year mm. and i think they're gonna do like quite a bit more over the next years but the but i will say though like adam and ryan they do their events are top notch and they really do take care of the riders so damn well yeah and that's one thing that like even the last couple of years i was like i would really i really enjoyed going to australia that was like one of my biggest things i looked forward to every single year i enjoyed going to new zealand um and they just took care of us every single time really well so uh they make it fun and they're cool dudes too like i would i hang out with them outside of even like what what their job entails and then our you know us being you know working together yeah like in business or whatever that yeah no I, yeah. I completely agree it's such a I, it's such a bummer that they like lost the momentum that they lost with those races because i mean essentially mm-hmm. we've lost like two or three of them with covid i mean can you imagine how much better the events would be and like the stadiums and all that sort of stuff like dude marvel stadiums like as legit as it gets as far as stadiums yeah. go you know mm-hmm you know what i really really actually enjoyed sydney even though it's a small stadium dude it was a sick little vibe right there with like all like it felt like everyone was on top of you um but marvel stadium dude that was like a step up like it was fucking really really dope but um like the first time i was in sydney i was like it's kind of cool like racing through the hallways and shit it's kind of fun yeah 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 and they always packed it out man it was only like 27 uh, uh, 17,000 people but it was just like fucking packed and they had like brooke yeah. djing the whole time and like harry was crashing mm. the dj booth and shit. yeah yeah it's funny good times uh so we're done done our three hours mate is there anything else that you wanted to cut i don't know how much time you got or if you want to go into any other any other topics but uh yeah we, no we dude i think we did do we covered about everything yeah that three hours went quick i dude honestly i i haven't done a podcast but i'm like 
but yeah <laughs> thanks uh thanks so much for doing it bro it's uh i mean uh, you've always had a open seat and always yeah. always will so i hope that I hope that you know that and yeah never any there's never any pressure and so many people wanted you to do this and it's like <laughs> it's just you're not even a guy that it's funny like you're not even a guy i would hit up to do this because it's like i know that yeah. you know the spots here and that whenever you want to do it you just fucking come and do it there's like never any pressure on my end yeah for sure and and dude just i don't do this stuff very much but on this one i, I really enjoyed it so thanks for having me and uh yeah it was fun well good luck man we'll uh continue to just be super biased about all of your shit all the time and uh hopefully that pisses <laughs> pisses some more people off dude you're gonna piss off mookie fans they're gonna hate you <laughs> oh no i know i fucking like mookie i haven't spoke to him in so fucking long though it'd be cool to talk to him but yeah i don't think i have his number anymore jdr yeah. days man we were fucking boys you know we, we were on the come up in together. hawaii yeah hawaii yeah that's right geneva mm-hmm. ah dude yeah. i'll let you go thanks so much eh? all right sounds good later dude thank you for having me on peace